Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go, I would say. Today's Columbus Day. Some people have a day off, but we are here. Not off at all. In fact, uh, starting an incredible string of radio shows from Jerusalem, Israel. We've been talking about this journey. We've been talking about this trip. We've been talking about these series of shows. It starts today with an array of uh, wonderful guests who are going to be joining us, both uh, live in person and via telephone. And all of this is uh, made possible, we said we'd explain what's going on, made possible by the, uh, the dream that was finally fulfilled, the dream that uh, both Barry Lieben and Nahum Siegel had. And we'll explain what that dream was and is in a moment here at JMNAM. We are in the presidential suite on the porch, the Mirpesa, at the patio of the presidential suite of the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. Uh, our regular listeners know how incredible the Inbal is to us all the time, particularly so now uh, during this incredible journey and this wonderful trip. And one of the reasons is because uh, one of their favorite customers, one of their favorite people, one of their favorite families, the Lieben family, is here during this uh, short stretch of time after the holiday of Sukkot. And with me, with me in a role that some may call a co-host, others may call commentator, others may call host on this beautiful... Radio, radio genius. <laughs> this incredible, beautiful porch overlooking the old city of Jerusalem with the blue and white Israeli flags behind us is the one and only Barry Lieben. Shalom, shalom, welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom, Nachum, we're living the dream here. Finally. Finally. After discussing this for how many years now? Many, many. I'd say decades, not years. Decades. What a dream to be sitting in the holy city of Jerusalem, overlooking this gorgeous view with my dear friend Nachum, and to be sitting with my first grandson, Cole. Look how excited he is. Look how Are you excited, Cole? <laughs> yes? Okay. Cole says he's excited. He is excited, and, a, a, and as is everybody who's here. The only thing that would have made it better is if they would have missed that field goal last night. Oh, you uh, you actually took some time to watch the game, I see. And we shared it. We shared that last night on the patio, didn't we? We certainly did. You didn't just watch the game. You set up an amazing and incredible gathering. People came from all over to be part of the Giants and Carolina Panthers. And unfortunately, for those who root for the Giants, many people know you're one of them. Unfortunately, it didn't, uh, it didn't go to the Giants. But way. it was maybe the greatest tailgate party in the history of Jerusalem? Certainly the greatest tailgate party in Jerusalem's history, that's for now, sure. Now, Cole is shaking his head. You know I wonder what he was expecting. It wasn't a tailgate party, Cole? What was it? It was a roofgate party. <laughs> roofgate party. Is that correct? As opposed to a parking lot, we were on the roof here at the Inbal. Uh, so yeah, that's what's been going on over the last few hours. Now we get to start these incredible shows and fulfill this dream. Weeks ago, uh, Barry uh, revealed that he'd be spending a few days after Sukkot, first in Tel Aviv and then in Jerusalem. And we looked at each other and said, wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't it be incredible if we were there together to share all of this, to just enjoy the old city and the new city and this incredible view and this wonderful hotel. And sure enough, you have to admit, the Inbal has been incredibly, very, very gracious, very nice. Incredibly gracious. They even, they even stopped the construction for three hours as not to interfere with the greatest radio person in the world's voice. Wow. That was very nice of them, I must I say. I was talking about me. Oh. <laughs> I completely miscalculated on that one. Uh, so in addition to your brilliant radio voice, I, too. I hope to contribute to the show as well, well in the next few hours. And we do have to stop right at the beginning and thank Steve Leibowitz. Steve Leibowitz gets a round of applause. 
for arranging the guests for the next few days. Yeah, Steve's been amazing, and uh, he's been a guest of ours for I don't know how many times over the last uh, 25, 30 years. Uh, My wife just shut the terrace doors. Does that mean something? She has no interest in hearing our conversation? Wait a second. <laughs> I think that's what it means. Does she know the whole world is listening right now? The whole world except my wife. Yeah, I just don't understand that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Steve Leibowitz actually uh, helped uh, and, and, uh, and played a pivotal role in, um, in uh, teaming with Miriam L. Wallach to produce the shows here from Israel. And I thank Steve. He, he's got to look lovely today, Miriam. That was very nice. Wearing her uh, Nachum Siegel, Siegel Network. Network shirt, which uh, I didn't get one. What? Wait a second. Very Who nice. was supposed to schlep Barry's shirt from America? It was Yoni. Very right. nice, Yoni. We'll have, to, we'll have to deal with this once we get back. Yoni, where are you sleeping tonight when I take <laughs> away your room? <laughs> you don't realize how powerful this man is. He, he wants you displaced by this evening. By, You'll by be the displaced. way, are you sleeping in the brand new suite that they've built? I am sleeping in the brand new suite tell, at the Barry Lieben recommendation. Tell the listening audience how nice the Imbal built that new suite. It's a beautiful brand new suite. The new rooms are incredible. And uh, look, they, they, they said they would make this hotel look and feel like 2018, and they went ahead and did it. For those so. of you who are visiting Jerusalem, you have to check out the new renovation at the Inbal. It's an amazing, amazing job they've done. This is the most Hamish and gorgeous hotel in Jerusalem, in the most amazing city in the world. You can only enhance your stay. And, you know, I've got 40 years in the travel business. I don't say it lightly. This is the place to stay. And last night, they really helped out. Oh, my God. Party. What they did, to, they schlepped the barbecue up. It didn't fit into the room because the barbecue is quite large, and they took it apart to make it fit. That was nice. That was Matt's idea. Thank you, Cole. <laughs> yes, it was. It was Matt's idea to take it apart. They schlepped this it in. This we didn't dream about, that Cole would be our co-host. That we didn't think about. <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about his salary a little later. <laughs> You're going to be negotiating that? How much money do you want to work You know with? Papa's an amazing negotiator, right? <laughs> they put lights up. They brought a brand new TV out to the terrace. They couldn't have done more to make this pleasant. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, and they even arranged some sound effects in a, sh uh, a light, a sound and light show on the terrace. They certainly they? did. Kabo He's kaboom! Kaboom! <laughs> <laughs> That's a moment we'll never yes, forget. They did. And apparently, Cole has already put in his first demand. He wants. Uh, he wants some. Uh, he wants some New York Giant tickets. He wants home game tickets. He said in order to be on this show. Well, like he stays. He goes to every home. So game. no problem. Not a problem. He'll be compensated properly. Yes, huh? he will. All right. Uh, it's Jam in the AM. We're live from Israel, where the weather here is absolutely beautiful and perfect. You have to admit. Back in New York, I'm told it's raining and it's a little bit overcast. But here we are with perfect weather. Uh, gorgeous, a be beautiful gorgeous. October Monday afternoon. We have wonderful guests coming up. We mentioned Steve Leibowitz earlier. He'll join Steve, us. Steve, when does BB get here? <laughs> Whoa! I didn't even realize he's on the list. Oh, you heard. What you a were, surprise! Uh, shocking! Thank shocking! You. You're amazing. Leibowitz is amazing. You, you say, oh, I thought that was your doing. You, you saved. Was the it surprise. Leibowitz's salary dependent upon getting BB? <laughs> In fact, it was. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> um, so this is this is how it happened. This is the genesis of the trip. This is a lifelong dream for us that we are here together in Jerusalem. We have wonderful guests coming up. You love our presentation every day in general, so we're going to be doing it right here from the Lieben Port. You know how much I love the music. You love the music. Love you love everything. You like all our special projects. I you do. You love my I audience. Do. Love You're everything. glad to hear that so many segments I've, of the Jewish world around the world listen why to every I, single That's day. why I support it so much. That's right. There is nothing greater in this world than Nachum Siegel's music interviews, his love of Zionism. We're all blessed to be part of the Nachum Siegel world. I appreciate that. And uh, there's no more loyal person than you. 
That I can tell you. That is, there is not no more. And, and from the moment you started supporting us, which was when you first met me decades ago, you have never stopped. And that means uh, not only financial support, but your priceless advice as well, Mr. Lieben. You know what they say about free advice? What is that? You get what you pay for. <laughs> so there you have it. All right. Um, so it's been an amazing journey so far. We are just kicking off our shows. Hope everybody out there uh, not only uh, stays tuned in, but comments on our app and becomes active with us on Facebook. Remember, you'll uh, get all the uh, updates through Facebook.com slash Network. The NSN Nahum Siegel Network app gives you a chance to tell us where you are, what you want to hear. Uh, which interviews you enjoyed, questions you would love for us to ask our guests, etc., etc., etc. When will you be interviewing Steve? Uh, Steve's coming up in the seven o'clock hour, right? Seven, seven thirty-ish, seven thirty-ish. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And do you have more than one headphone in this big operation? Uh, we're probably. Uh, I think we'll give him a handheld, right? We'll, we'll have a handheld. Oh, so I'll be joining him then. Yeah, because uh, it just makes it a little easier. Cole, do you want to be interviewed? Cole would like to be interviewed. You have a minute for him? Interesting, yeah. You want to interview well, him we now? could ask him what school he's in, sure. how he enjoys school. We're, no? we're going to put Cole on now. Hang on, let's give Cole this microphone. Okay, Cole, you hold that one. How are you there, Cole? Good. Uh, what do we say? Uh, we can't say Boker Tov because it's already afternoon here, right? Right. <laughs> 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 it's arrived over here, right. Anyway, uh, good to see you. How's uh, Jerusalem been so far? Good. Is this the first time you're in Jerusalem? Yeah. What was it like watching the Giant Game in Jerusalem? How cool is that? That was nice. Good. What what kind of party was it? A giant party. You have to talk into there. <laughs> a giant party. And was it a tailgate? Talk. It was a roof gate. The old roof gate party. He's coined the term. And how do you spend your time? What grade are you in? First. First grade. Which school? Heschel. How's it going over there at the Heschel School? I know there are a lot of nice people over there. Am I right? It's good. It is good. Hmm, you did that with a little bit of a, a little bit of a sigh. Is that things going well there in school? You know, when you get back, when are you going to be back? On Wednesday or Thursday, right? You'll be back in the U.S.? Wednesday. You're back Wednesday. It's going to be time to go back to school already, right? Yeah. All your friends are going to ask you where you were, and what are you going to tell them? What are you going to tell them when they ask you where you were? I was on the interview. <laughs> right, that's very good. <laughs> this guy knows how to play to the crowd. But, but when they ask you where you traveled to, what are you going to tell them? Which city, which great city did you travel to? Do you remember? Which city are we in right now? Tel Aviv. No, Tel Aviv first, and then? Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem. There you go. There's going to be a lot of kids who are going to be. his favorite part. Favorite part of the trip? Yeah. What was your what favorite was part of the trip so far? I think um, the Jeep. Oh, you went Jeep riding? That's pretty cool. Who was behind the wheel? Who was actually doing the driving? So the driver was at the place. Ah, they took you around? Yeah. Very nice. Barry, where was that? What area of Israel was that in? Somewhere near Tel Aviv. What? You want to? They don't. They don't see him. You found two bullets. Oh, really? Yeah, somewhere in the Judean Hills. That's pretty cool. All right. Uh, try to get those back into the U.S. You think you can sneak them back in, Barry, with the 18 suitcases? No problem. <laughs> you want to say goodbye? Thank you, Cole. Say shalom. shalom. Let's hear it for Cole. Good everybody. job, Cole. All right, we are we're we're go, we're going to run the gamut of going from Cole to Ambassador ILO. That's how we're going to play. That's how we're going to play the the interview circuit here. Yes, Mary Mo. That Wallach. makes perfect sense, doesn't it? It yeah. certainly does. All right, we'll do this song, which I always wouldn't, I wouldn't want to follow Cole though. Right, tough act to follow. It is a tough act. Uh, we'll do this one from Sam Glazer talking about being in Israel, and then the ambassador is scheduled to join us. Keep it here. We're in Jerusalem live at JM in the AM. My lips to sing your praise 
my heart to feel the joy Let me have the gift for which I'm yearning Another night in Israel Desert flowers blooming in the spring The grapes upon the vine Walk the beaches in the moonlight Let me fall in love in Israel Wherever you go shares from our souls A time to mend A time to gather stones A time for peace In Israel Let me hear the voice of bride and groom Of laughter in the sea the prayers of our children so they need not fear in Israel
in the AM as we broadcast as we broadcast live from Israel, live from Jerusalem here on a um, uh, JM in the AM on a JM in the AM uh, Monday morning, and uh, we have with us. Sorry about that. Uh, we have with us uh, Ambassador Danny Ayalon, Israeli diplomat, columnist, and politician, served as Deputy Foreign Minister, and member of the Knesset for Yisrael Beitenu. Is he with us? Oh, sorry about that. And he's scheduled to join us now. <laughs> we have him? Yes, please put on speaker. Served as Israeli ambassador to the United States uh, from 2002 until 2006. Frequently writes in Israeli and international newspapers, Jerusalem Post, Wall Street Journal, and many others. Uh, ambassador Danny Ayalon, shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Nahum, and uh, welcome to our country, your country. Thank you very, very much. I greatly appreciate it, and it's wonderful to be here and to be in Israel, in Jerusalem, and be broadcasting live from here. Uh, I thought of you because I saw a recent post that you had... Um, uh, posted on Facebook regarding the activities recently at the United Nations. I'm sure you heard both the uh, speech of Prime Minister Netanyahu and the speech of PA President Mahmoud Abbas. What was your reaction when you heard Abbas refer to Israel as both racist and apartheid? Well, uh, you know, um, same old, same old. Uh, Abbas has never been a true partner. Abbas, who has... Uh, gotten his uh, doctorate in the University of Moscow, denying uh, the Holocaust, uh, has not really changed. Maybe his tactics may have changed, where he tells to the world that he wants peace, and he, uh, he's uh, fighting uh, violence and terror. Uh, but again, he speaks from the two sides of his mouth, just as he continued to uh, encourage terror by um, uh, showering money over all the terrorists and uh, there is this uh, uh slay to pay or pay to slay if you know uh, their legislation where they pay uh, to the terrorists or the terrorist families more as more uh, israelis are, are killed same thing is with the incitement you know just yesterday we had a horrible uh, murder in barkan barkan which is an industrial area uh near uh, ariel uh, employing basically uh, more Palestinians than Israelis, a, a great example of peaceful coexistence. And of course, the terrorists there uh, killed uh, three Jews, three Israelis. Uh, I'm sorry, two and, and an injured one um, yesterday morning. So we see uh, he has not changed. He says one thing, he does another thing, and he believes a third thing, which is basically that Israel has no um, uh, room on the map of the Middle East. Uh, you refer, of course, to the murder yesterday of Kim and Ziv in Barkhan Park. I, I would assume that we have to assume that the pay-to-slay policy that you just cited earlier is likely going to be implemented in this case as well. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no doubt. And, uh, um, and let alone that uh, you never hear any, um, any condemnation or uh, any sorrow for um, for the Israeli pain. Uh, so just just the opposite. And uh, again, we have to understand who is the man. His uh, strategy is uh, no different, uh, one iota, than the Hamas strategy. His tactics is uh, is different. And, uh, and to 
still there. They're trying to uh, actually uh, circle uh, and bring it down. Uh, we're speaking with Ambassador Danny Ayalon, who has welcomed us to Jerusalem. It's JM in the AM live from Yerushalayim. Uh, I asked you also about, uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard the speech of Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I, I've been uh, harping on a point over the last year or so where it seemed that for a, uh, for a, a pretty long time, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu utilized the, uh, the stage, the forum, uh, the atmosphere of the United Nations to really warn the world about Iran and get usually into some complicated uh, matters uh, and minutia, frankly, uh, regarding Iran's activities in the, uh, in the pursuit of nuclear weapons. Uh, last year, I thought the Prime Minister had altered things by concentrating much more on what I like to refer to as hop aboard now, everybody, because Israel is at the front of the train. And if you don't follow us, if you don't go ahead and uh, and join us and become an ally of ours now, you're, you're fr- uh, frankly going to suffer uh, down the road. It seems this time around in 2018, the Prime Minister went back to the old form and really spent a lot of time on the details of what's happening with Iran and its development of nuclear weapons. And I sometimes think that can be a little bit of a turnoff to people who are paying cl- close attention to his words. What did you think of his presentation? Well, I think it was actually very effective. And uh, we have to remember, Nahum, that uh, this, he is really uh, taking uh, advantage of this platform in, uh, in a very unique way because uh, most people, I mean, of course, there are these people in the know and the diplomats and the statesmen that... Uh, know the details, but uh, the people on the street uh, do not. Uh, I, I would say even many of uh, the media uh, people do not really know all the details. So here, when there is a cogent information about how they have been cheating and continue to cheat, I think this is very um, impressive, and hopefully it will be also effective. Uh, I also think, uh, Nahum, that uh, unlike uh, uh, years before, uh, this year, um, that the situation has changed dramatically where Trump and the United States have just uh, uh, walked out of this disastrous um, agreement in Vienna, the JCPOA. So basically they did the, the work for, um, for Netanyahu. So now all he needs to do is to join forces, and, uh, and we do join forces with our best friends and allies in the United States, to basically convince the Europeans to come on board Otherwise, they're just protracting the uh, miserable situation for everybody. Are we heading for new elections in Israel? Um, I believe, yes. I believe that uh, we will have elections uh, early next year. That is the first quarter of uh, 2019. Usually the last uh, day, the last year of the coalition is always uh, people are jockeying for positions. They are... Um, thinking of their own constituencies, they're trying to actually separate themselves from the others. This has started, we saw that uh, with uh, the, um, I would say, the, 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 the barbs that are being thrown between uh, uh, Bennett and, and Lieberman, and uh, uh, Bennett, of course, uh, accuses Lieberman for uh, not living up to any word or any promise he made before getting into the uh, Ministry of um, of, of defense, um, Lieberman doesn't really have a good uh, answers, so he is uh, slandering and attacking personally, uh, Bennett. This is <laughs> not sustainable. Uh, I can understand that. Um, you know, it's it, it's interesting. Your name now, as far as I'm concerned, is synonymous with one of the most important topics for my audience, and that's Aliyah. And I say it that way because of the incredible 
uh, time you spent with Nefesh Benefesh as an ambassador uh, for Aliyah, frankly. And I wonder how you view now the North American Jewish community after the experience you had uh, with the organization and uh, knowing that we and others on a regular basis are trying to convince people uh, to do what we did permanently, not temporarily, as we've done now, to come here for a few days. Uh, I I wonder what your impression is of North American Jewry in that area. Sure. Well, uh, first of Nahum, I'm very proud of uh, the work that Nefesh Benefesh uh, is doing, will continue to do, and uh, basically you, you see uh, uh, the Olim, which are now more than 50,000, you know, retention is more than 90%, really the, the, the best kind of uh, people that we have, and of course we have many, many, uh, we need many, many more. I believe also when we look from, a, a, let's say, um, a bird's eye view on the world with the uh, rise of uh, the anti-Semitism everywhere, everywhere. Um, I think that Jews should think much more seriously about coming home, uh, not just as a safe uh, haven, not just as a shelter, but also to uh, just to relive their their tradition and uh, emphasize their identity and their pride. And you see it now. You see how beautiful the country is, what we have, you know, what distance we have uh, uh, done from 70 years ago or even 20 years ago. And of course, the, the changes are, are keep coming. It's a, our country uh, pretty much, uh, I would say, uh, redefined itself uh, every few years and, and to the better. Uh, so I think that um, we would love to see more coming. Uh, for everybody's sake, not just for Israel's sake, uh, you know, but just for the Jewish community's sake. And in the United States, I'm, I'm afraid to say that today, the polarization that we see in the American society has not uh, passed over the Jewish community. I know you're very busy, but I must share with you one quick story because it's so de- defining about what Aliyah is all about. I had at my Shabbos table very recently a student from Addis Ababa whose family had moved from one of the villages in Ethiopia to the capital in order to increase their chance of actually making Aliyah. And he was in the United States, and that was the reason he was in New York and at my Shabbos table for an educational program. And uh, he was sitting through many shiurim, and I said to him, were there any shiurim that, you know, actually, you know, that you were, that, that, you know, revealed something to you that you did not know? And he said, well, the most startling moment for me was when the shiur was being given by the rabbi about the mitzvah of uh, moving to Israel, of making Aliyah, and I said, and I looked around the room, and every single person in that room, I'm saying, could make Aliyah right now, and they're not doing it. Why is that? Well, why is that? When I, my family is suffering the way they are in Addis Ababa. So number one, I'm curious what you think of the story, and number two, I read recently that the Ethiopian Aliyah is in fact going to increase a little bit. Do you think there'll be a time when everybody who wants to come to Israel from there will come? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so, and um, we have done it uh, before from uh, other uh, countries. Sometimes you had, we had to do it uh, in a very clandestine way. Here with Ethiopia, I think it's uh, quite fortunate that the uh, government uh, of Ethiopia now is even more friendly than, than before. Absolutely. And uh, you know what uh, also we see uh, kind of as a um, uh, harbingers is that uh, uh, many European Jews from England, basically, and uh, mostly in, in France, even if they are not, they are coming. But uh, before that, either they send their kids to, to study here or they buy apartments or they buy uh, houses here, which is also a good thing. 
generally, although it's not a very good thing for the housing prices, you right. know, our younger <laughs> couples <laughs> are finding it more difficult to... Uh, to to uh, to buy the first apartment, but this is something that should not be of a concern to uh, to us as Jews. It's a, it's a, a concern of the government. The government can do both: bring every Jew that uh, wants and can, and also make sure that the younger uh, couples uh, can also get affordable housing. Can't thank you enough for uh, for helping us kick off our programming from Jerusalem to Darabai. You're an amazing friend. Kolakavod and Am Yisrael Chai. I'm Israel Chai. Thank you, Nachum. Keep up the great work. I appreciate that. He is the uh, in, he was at one time the ambassador to the United States. That's Ambassador Danny Ayalone, now known as a, a very effective journalist, commentator, and as somebody who has a tremendous amount of influence uh, in Israel, the United States, and beyond. More coming up. You are listening to a Monday morning edition of JM the AM live from Jerusalem.
little uh, a little spiritual angle. God is alive and well in Jerusalem. We always feel that way, don't we? Every time we're in Jerusalem, we feel a little bit closer to the one above. That's understandable. You heard Lee Shalim, Eitan Katz before that. That was Moshe Hecht from the uh, Yes Legacy album. I want to thank Ambassador Danny Ayalo. We have other guests who are going to be joining us all through these three days here at JM in the AM. We are... Uh, in the presidential suite of the Inbal Hotel, courtesy of the Lieben family, Barry Lieben has explained earlier, and I had a dream of being in Jerusalem together and presenting shows, and uh, we, uh, because of their hospitality, were able to do these shows and to present them, and I thank them, we all thank them very, very much. Uh, the Inbal looks like it always does, just a little bit better. What do I mean? I mean the view is incredible, the building's wonderful, uh, the service is great, everything you'd expect here at the Inbal Fantastic. The reason I say a little bit better is because the renovation, it seems to us, is like 99% complete, if not more. They certainly do not let their, you know... They're not resting on their laurels? No, but more than that, they're not letting us see how the sausage is made. And yeah, I think that that's, that's true. They really are quite professional in that manner. And we're good at speaking to this point because we've been here all through the process, you know, Correct. many different times through the process of this renovation. And it's amazing it how they readjust everything to make things as smooth as possible. It has never impeded our experience as a guest here. That's for sure. I have never. Somebody asked me, so do you wake up to jackhammers? I'm, I said, no, I'm not waking up to any noise. It's Okay, that's, <laughs> that's ironic. Funny. That's funny. But that's a sukkah coming They're down. They're taking down the right. sukkah. That's, that's right. right. Which, by the way, if your sukkah is still up at home, don't worry. The inbal is taking theirs down now. <laughs> I have a feeling that they had others they had to take down first. And there's also a massive conference going on here now. Yeah, there's a there lot There are happening. so many moving parts. We thank the Inbal, as always, for facilitating our our feeling like home and our being made to feel that we are at home here in Jerusalem every single time we come. It's so nice to see George when we check in. Certainly. It's certainly great to see Panina. Hopefully we'll see Ronnie at some point or another during right. our visit. And I actually have to personally thank Barry because otherwise they don't let me into the presidential suite. <laughs> my key never works at the door. We also so have to mention Avi Nafusi, who yeah, oh my gosh, a big help as always. Avi is, yeah, he's, he's wonderful. So thank you, Inbal. Our Really, they've become, as we've been officially calling them, our headquarters in Jerusalem each and every time, and we thank them very much. It's no joke. I do think that the gentleman at the executive lounge was wondering when I would stop coming last night, but he was also very lovely. So you went back and back I might have back. gone back a few times. A few cups of coffee, or you were tra you were tra testing out some of the treats over there? There was a lot of coffee. It's um, all good. A lot of good desserts good. as well, though. Yeah, and by the way, not to joke about all the different upgrades, but because breakfast in Israel is such a stalwart part of everyone's experience as a tourist here, um, the even the even the breakfast has been updated. Wow! Of course, I noticed these things. I was just going to say I wouldn't have noticed that Yoni and I thought it was at uh, you know it was it was at peak. It was at peak the way it's always been. Yes, well, it you was, noticed a few nuances I regarding certainly breakfast. Did. I can even tell you the differences in the uh, in the uh, executive lounge so that they're serving there. So breakfast and lounge October 18, in your opinion, is different than it was earlier in the year. See, when I told Steve that I went inside, I got distracted by the food and totally forgot to change my phone, charge my phone. Right. I wasn't kidding. You it's get really distracted by food. I get distracted by Funny, food. because we don't know of anything you usually get distracted by. We forgot. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, happen, I'm totally focused. Doesn't happen back in the studio. Totally focused. All right. Um, uh, more coming up. Barry Lieben is going to uh, help us uh, um, uh, present some of the wonderful personalities uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, Steve Leibowitz, Bobby Brown, and maybe some others as well. Next hour coming up at JM in the AM. He'll tell you just how influential these people have been in the Jewish and Israeli life in this country. And uh, also we have our friends from Aleh who are stopping by. Correct. Also, I am told, also I am told that Professor Alevi yes. is going to stop by. Now, Professor Alevi from Shari Tzedek stops by. 
we will have no choice but to revisit for a minute what happened in February. When, he's uh, still talking to us, so I it's hope fine. he's still talking to us. When we almost destroyed his entire hospital, <laughs> it's possible with the kosher halftime show. We had a paint fight. So yeah, it was a paint fight in, in the, the hospital. hospital, and and the most recent person from Shari Tzedek to join us on the air has made it clear <laughs> that we are not welcome back. <laughs> so Uri we'll Schwartz. See. So I'm hoping that maybe maybe <laughs> Presser Alevi will rescind that, Uri and he'll actually allow us. Said that. that it was really really great that he did not know what we were planning on doing, and that it's over. It was wonderful, but it'll you know, never happen again. One and done. Exactly. Yes, it'll one and done. Never happen again. But uh, Professor Alevi, I mean, if he's going to be here, we have to make sure that nothing goes wrong while he's here. Is this a symbol, a signal that Cindy Lieben wants to go on the air with us? I am. Um, Cindy and I this, are going to do a show. Is this an indication that Cindy Lieben wants to say something on the air? Cindy and Cindy, I do are going to do a show. Do you, are we giving Steve? Want to grab a microphone or what no? Do you want I have do? a feeling. Uh, right. Ah, right. Here. Yeah, okay, so we're going to go to a song. All right, and we'll bring them out. Yep. More coming up. It's the most shop band at Jam in the AM.
Oh! 
the one and only Shlomo Kalbach. And I'm about to do something on the air with Miriam L. Wallach here, which uh, is going to be, as far as I'm concerned, somewhat dramatic. Someone told me over Shabbos, and I'm, I'm going to look it up now as we speak. Someone told me over Shabbos that the day of our Jewish Unity concert in Johannesburg mm-hmm. is the art side of Shlomo Kalbach. And sure enough, it is. Wow. Not that night, meaning that day, Thursday, is his yard site. Wednesday night, Thursday. Wow. So we have an opportunity, as we speak to Ohad and uh, David Fadido, we have an opportunity to include some Kalbach selections. Fantastic. Uh, during the program, which would be pretty cool. That's pretty mazelic. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Very. I found that fascinating. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. You know who we just got an email from? I do not. Listener Daniela. Oh. Daniela Robinson says, guess what? One of my favorite um, Aliyah moments. She says, guess what? Welcome to Israel. Thank you. And she really can welcome yeah, us to Israel. Yeah, now she can welcome us to Israel. Officially. Officially. So thank you very much, Daniela. Let me see if I can find it. I had the email here a second ago. Oh, here it is. Daniela Robinson does not say welcome to Israel. She says welcome to the Holy Land. Amen. I hope you had a great trip. Thanks, Daniela. And thanks, everybody, who's, uh, I hope, soon going to comment on our app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. And thanks to everybody who's uh, tuned in on our app and all through the other methods. Um, this is a unique trip for us. This is a journey to Israel that started, that germinated, uh, when Barry Lieben and I said we should be in Israel together. And sure enough, uh, Barry is here with his family, and uh, we have a lot of great guests, and Steve Leibowitz helping uh, to produce our show with Miriam Alwalik. And we are on the Mirpeset, the porch, the patio of the presidential suite at the Inbal Hotel, the incredible, beautiful Inbal Hotel, which is our headquarters in Jerusalem. Thank you all at the Inbal for all your assistance and all your help. And we are overlooking the old city of Jerusalem. This never gets old, this view. It never, ever really gets old. It doesn't. Look at that, the King David's right there. How do you like that? The top of the King David. Yeah, there it is. We never gets old. It's incredible and beautiful. And it's such a perfect day today. October weather. Not too cold, not too hot. Just perfect. Simple as that. It's beautiful. So it's just amazing and incredible. A couple of items in our community calendar I wanted to go through for a moment. Um, let's see some of the things that are happening. Call out to everybody who was at the FIDF New Jersey dinner last night. Call out You know, our our love for the FIDF and the New Jersey chapter is always amazing and incredible. Um, Monday, October 8th, today, uh, the, the, the people at Shalom Task Force are starting a social media campaign. Hashtag Stand Up for Shalom, asking people to take pictures and post with the sign. Hashtag Stand Up for Shalom. And uh, keep that in mind. On the 25th of October, they're going to be hosting a Go Purple Day in school. Students will be wearing purple and standing up for Shalom. And we'll have more details about that, of course, coming up. Lamdenu has announced their full fall schedule. Today, Monday, the 8th of October, is the very first day in their brand-new fall schedule. So Lamdenu in Teaneck, New Jersey, wish them the best of luck from all of us here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow is the NCSY Summer Expo with 20-plus unique summer programs in the U.S., Israel, and Europe. Tomorrow at the Unusual of West Hempstead, beginning at 7.30 p.m. And then Wednesday, this week, October the 10th, 7.30 p.m. at the Unusual of Woodmere. Information and registration, summer.ncsy.org. Again, summer.ncsy.org for all the information. Uh, more special guests in our mobile studio here at the very top of the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. We are speaking with Dove Hirth, who is the Director of Marketing and Development 
at Aleh. Welcome to Overth. We are speaking with uh, Zahava Alchul, who is a uh, top educator at Aleh and has been there for 10 years. And for those of you who have not heard of Aleh, I remind you, they are Israel's largest, largest network of care for children with severe multiple disabilities. Dove, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Aleh's been amazing for us. We have had the opportunity to tell our listeners on many occasions about your incredible work. Tell us what's been happening. Oh, first of all, I heard you had a nice Sukkot. Yeah. I heard a lot of special things go on with Aleh and Sukkot. Yes, we had a wonderful, wonderful Sukkot. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, the kids went on many, many trips, just like all our families did over Chalamoid, uh, trips to the zoo, trips to the aquarium, trips to the parks. Um, but one of the highlights of, uh, of the Sukkot uh, was our annual Simchas Beis HaShueva. Yeah. Um, it is a community-wide event, and uh, the entire Aleh Jerusalem uh, pretty much opens its doors, um, and we have a lot, a lot, a lot of people coming. Um, there's singing, there's dancing. It's really like a highlight of the year, not just for the kids, but for a lot of the community. Um, and it's the absolute, uh, you know, definition of inclusion and uh, making making the 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 name of Aleh not just a uh, place where kids that suffer from disabilities have to go, but a place where anybody could come and enjoy and uh, you know have a have a great time and then once the Chag ended it was time to get to Tachana Rishana right exactly exactly right afterwards we had an amazing event at the uh, first station um, we took over the first station <laughs> and we had the that must have been beautiful yeah it was and we had the Aleph Fair the Aleph Fair had uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came um, it started at 10 a.m., ended at 10 p.m. Um, we had stalls where, you know, various um, uh, vendors were were selling their wares and then giving a percentage of their uh, uh, profits to um, Aleh. We had tons and tons of um, volunteers. We had the kids from Aleh there. We had representatives from all different, you know, uh, agencies and it was an amazing, amazing day. There were shows. There was uh, balloons. Uh, you, you know, like a real fair, you know. And it was a really, really, really beautiful event. We've had the opportunity to celebrate Israel with Aleh. They sponsored our coverage of the Celebrate Israel Parade, you may recall, back in June. So we thank you for that as well. Seems like you're not just about business and taking care of kids. You're about having a good time with them as well. <laughs> exactly. Baruch exactly. Dove Hirth is here. And um, uh, we're joined as well by Zahava Alchul. Um, all right. So is there a way... And look, when the list is provided to us in the media of what Aleh does, frankly, it is a pretty long list. There are right. a lot of different things, many different departments. Is there anything in the last few months, last half a year, whatever time you'd like to uh, highlight that has been a new development or something significant that we should know from Aleh? Yes. Um, we most recently in our Jerusalem branch, we opened uh, our hydrotherapy pool. Um, the hydrotherapy pool is brand new. It's absolutely amazing. We used to have to outsource, which meant for a 45-minute session, it was a whole two-hour deal of loading the kids up into vans right. and sitting through traffic and getting to the place and changing and getting out of the pool, and it was insane. Um, now it's, you know, going throughout the day. 
We just now opened it to the entire community, so anybody that needs hydrotherapy in the community, whether it's you know for any sort of a reason why they might need hydrotherapy, is invited to contact Ale, and they can use our pool and our therapist. Phenomenal. It's great to know. All right, Zahava Alchul is here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate that. The um, uh, Well, you're known, uh, your reputation precedes <laughs> you, let's put it that way, when it comes to the area of education with Ale's children. Uh, I, I would guess that uh, that if, if we would uh, take, I don't know, a survey or if we would go ahead and do the research ourselves, we would find that all these children and different uh, clients are on many different levels in terms of their abilities and what they can do, correct? Yes, exactly. So where do you fit into the whole educational process? So our job is to look at each student as an individual. No one's going to be exactly the same. Everyone's going to have different abilities, disabilities, and we look at them as a whole. What can they do in the cognitive section, the motoric section, the how, you know, how can they use their hands? Um, how do they communicate? Everyone is different, and so it's not like a regular math class where I'm going to have my students sitting in front right. of me and I'm teaching on the board and writing the problems, and I expect everyone to, to give me the same answer. We're really looking, our goal is to look at each child in the as an individual um, and to bring up the most in them. I'm and curious how many children you interact with generally. like uh, Between seven and eight in each class. Um, and that's typical for all the educators? Yep. I mean, then that would be the the either the perfect or the uh, or the right number, right? In yes, I'm not the only one in the class. Right. We have Benochirud uh, and um, and caretakers, and so another part of my job is to get everyone on board on on the plan, and and let's all work together to bring out the best in each kid and get and them what the best. And what is intake like when you have a new client, a new student? Yeah. And I would guess. I don't want to say hundreds, but so many different pieces of information from yes. medical professionals, therapists they've worked with, from their parents, of course, For just sure. to get all of this, you know, ironed out. Yeah. So the guess we always call like the first month is definitely like <laughs> the uh, getting to know you month. We're yeah. reading old documents that either teachers in the past at Ale have written or if they've coming from another framework, talking to the teachers themselves, right. talking to the parents, getting to know the child and really just getting to know they're getting to know uh they're getting to know us as well as we're getting to know them. So it's really a, a mutual getting to know each other and figuring out what's the best for them. Working with our, um, the Parafui, which is the... The therapist. Therapist, thank you. <laughs> the therapist, uh, speech therapist, occupational therapist, physical therapist, working together to set out a plan and write out their goals for the year and, and get started. Do you think Ale enjoys a certain amount of, I don't know, progress or or um, capabilities because they're in Israel. We always hear about how Israel, both through its government and, and other means, is so focused on those with disabilities and pays so much attention. Is there, is there something about Ale that probably wouldn't work in another area of the world? That's a great question. Mm. Um, I mean... Do you feel the support from the people of Israel? Absolutely. Do you feel the support from the government of Israel? Absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, this morning I hosted a family that came to uh, visit Ale, and, and they had a son with, uh, with autism. And uh, I said, how's your visit been? And they said to me, it's unbelievable how nice the people are. The minute <laughs> they see our son, they come over, they, they help us. He told me that a couple of days ago they were in a falafel shop. His son was having a, a breakdown. Somebody walked up to the counter, put a hundred shekel on the counter, and said, "This is for this family," and walked out. Mm. 
you know. Um, Some good people out there, huh? That's Israel. That's the <laughs> that way is it is true. here, you know. And the government is very involved with us and making sure that we have everything that we need um, to a to a certain point. And then we have to obviously, you know, go to our friends in the uh, in the outside world and ask them uh, to help support what we need for the kids. How many people like Zahava do you have at all the? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would assume you need a lot of teachers. There's a lot of staff. There is a lot of staff. I wouldn't even know the uh, exact number and it's off the top all of over, my head. All over. The all country. over. We have in Yerushalayim. We have in Bnei Brak. We have in Gedera, which is central Israel, and we have in the Negev. Um, all these places are fully equipped to handle, you know, uh, children and young adults with severe disabilities, and we give them everything that they need from the minute they wake up till the minute they go to sleep. It is a very, very uh, benevolent but difficult pursuit. I mean, you literally do want to provide all the kids with everything and not having yes. them, them and their families worry about any of it. Um, to support Aleh and to find out more, where do we direct people? Which uh, which website, which information are we directing them to? www.aleh, which is A-L-E-H dot org www.aleh.org You could also always send an, uh, an email to info at aleh.org That comes directly to me. Um, you could... There's so many different ways of helping us out. Well, we have, you've recommended to our listeners in the past to, to actually go and see Aleh and that you'll be more than happy to absolutely, arrange it. Absolutely. And it's right for them, for people, you know, for many people in this audience who spend their time in Jerusalem, it's a perfect location to do 100%, it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There are people that, you know, I'm here and I would like to give my family, you know, an opportunity to see something that, you know, will will inspire them and, and will open their eyes to tzedakah and will open their eyes to people that are not, you know, quote-unquote like them, right. and uh, they come and, and, and they leave different people, you know, as we always say, come to LA, inspiration guaranteed. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and the parents must also be inspired. They are probably they are probably breathing a sigh of relief in one way, yeah. and at the same time really seeing, seeing the type of hope that people like you are giving to their children. Yeah, a lot of times we see parents that come in and we tell them all the things we're doing. They say, okay, and what can't they do? We're like, no, we're not looking at that. <laughs> we're we're looking at what that, they can right? do. <laughs> and it and it opens their eyes to a whole part of their child that they, as even though it's their child, that they might not have seen. Amazing. So it's really special. Uh, continue doing your incredible work for our less centers around the country. We've been speaking with Dove Hirth, who's the Director of Marketing Development at Alez, Zahava Alchul, one of the outstanding educators at Alez for the last 10 years. And again, we direct you to Aled.org. Aled.org and take our recommendation. Take a tour. Spend a couple of hours. You will see something that you've never seen before, and you will be inspired. And that, Dove Hirth, you said you guarantee. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Right before we uh, hang up, I just wanted to give you from Alez a beautiful gift. Thank you. Um, this is a plaque with our, you know, what we believe. Love someone is the na- is the way that uh, uh, the Rabbi Nishalam Hashem created him. Nice. That's for you. And this is a handmade challah cover by the children of Aleh Negev. It's 100% silk, um, and it was all done by them. Obviously, not the drawing itself. That Understood. was done by. But uh, it still ev- looks very professional, frankly. From from <laughs> A to Z, it was all done by the kids and. Uh, uh, people can actually purchase the Aleh Boutique items on our website. 
Um, you go to the boutique, great, great Hanukkah gifts, great gifts for all year round, and uh, it's all handmade by the children, and the money goes right back into the programming. So uh, it's an amazing, amazing uh, way to support the organization and support an amazing uh, program. Phenomenal. Miriam? I wanted to just thank Ellie Klein. Ellie Klein oh, yeah. is a bit Ellie's of a shadchan here. Very correct. I had the opportunity to take a tour of Ala, Jerusalem, with Dove Hearth, I don't know how many years ago yeah. at this point, Neither one of us are going to go back how far that went. Exactly. But nevertheless, I mean, t- from a firsthand experience, I can tell you how inspired I was. And, and, and it has only made this relationship yeah. with Allah that much sweeter because I have seen Allah at work, literally. And it is a phenomenal, phenomenal experience to walk through a building where there are, they are facing daily challenges on so many levels. But everyone's smiling. And that's not something to to belittle under any circumstance. It's not something to overlook. Everyone is smiling from the clients, the, ki- the, the, the kids, to the staff members, even though I'm sure Dove has his hard days as, as fundraising and marketing. It's just the dollar only stretches so much. I guess the shekel stretches... Even less. <laughs> right, right, right. So all you know, all support is obviously very necessary. But I can tell you, it's totally worth it. Now, also, am I am I getting this wrong? Were there Purim cards for Allah also? Yes. Right. Yes, I think I absolutely. got that from the boutique. Yes. Yes. I, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, being yes. able to you know skip another set of hamantashen and shalach manos and instead send out Allah cards where I know that my money really goes a long way. No question about that. Listen, Dove won't accuse us of re-gifting. Well, hey, we should really present this to our host. We to, should. To well, we're gonna Let's get Cindy out here now, and we'll take a nice picture with the people from Allah. Cindy won't go on the air. Are you sure? Because Do you want me to guilt her? And I would in love her to come out sure, and accept Sure, let me go it. guilt our host. Let, her let me go guilt gift. our host. That's Please. always a good move. Cindy, sure. you're alive on the air. Get out here. Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're always up to something here, and thank you very much for these beautiful gifts. You are very welcome. Um, is she there? Just a moment ago, I saw her there. You're listening to JMM. We're live in Jerusalem. We're with our friends at LA. Is she not there? Ah, oh, come on out for a second. You have such. She won't have to say a word. She just has to hear how amazing the, the work that these people are doing. Cindy, you don't have to say a word. You're, I just want to show you. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to say a word. Yes. Uh, both Dove Cindy's and not here. Both Dove and Zahava are from Ale. They're Israel's largest network of care for children with severe multiple disabilities. And Dove, if you don't mind repeating, this challah cover, which is for Cindy and her family, yes. was made by, tell everybody. The children of Ale Negev, children and young adults. It's 100% silk, and it was all handmade by them in their vocational training workshops. Let's take a picture. Hold that up, Cindy. <laughs> take a picture with the people from Allah, and I thank you. Dov, Todaraba. Thank, thank you so you much. Very much. Zahava, thank you very, thank very you much. Todaraba. It's very special. Okay, thank well. You. Thank you, Cindy. Thank, thank you for hosting you. us. And you thought we were just going to talk football for three days. <laughs> <laughs> More coming up. You are listening to a Monday morning live from Jerusalem. And this is JM in the AM.
Yeah, me. 
Brand new Simcha Liner here at JM in the AM. Monday, we're in Israel, in Jerusalem, on the porch. Zemir Peset, the patio of the presidential suite at the Inbal Hotel, courtesy of the Lieben family. We are here. Barry's going to rejoin me just after Rabbi Goldwasser, and we will have some special guests who are going to be joining us from the uh, porch of the presidential suite coming up. And the first, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It says in Shmos, Usually, in order for a people to become a nation, they have to dwell in the same land where they were born and raised. If they become uprooted from their land and have to move elsewhere, they can't always maintain their own nationality. B'nai Yisrael, however, became a nation before they reached Eretz Yisrael. We have always been a nation, no matter which land we have gone to. The Yalkut Chodesh explains that the same language is employed with reference to Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land, as the expression that is used for the Torah. Torah Tzivolonu Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us the Torah, Moshe, it is an inheritance, Kehilas Yaakov, for the Kehila of Yaakov. Because the inheritance of Eretz Yisrael is not something that a person has an everlasting schus to, we have this privilege if we live a life according to Torah. Our claim to Eretz Yisrael depends on Klal Yisrael guarding our nationality through Shmir Samitzvus in Torah learning. The Michtam Elio says, the fact that we have a Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael today is a nace, it's a miracle. It is among the great chasodim that Hashem has bestowed upon His nation. We are able to come from one extreme, the point of Chorben Europa, the Holocaust, to the other extreme and reestablish the yeshivas in the great centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael. We have to remember, though, there is an Eretz Yisrael de la Mata and an Eretz Yisrael Shalmaila, one that is below and one that is above. They both must exist simultaneously. We say in davening, It has been thousands of years since we have gone into Golos, into the exile. How does the Ava, the great love, remain in our heart? The Michtam explains 
It's because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. That Kedusha continues to draw us near, no matter how long the bitter Golos is. This is the Yerusha, the inheritance that we have from Avraham Avinu. He was Moshe Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the Nisayan, the challenge of Lech Lecha. The Talmidim of the Belzer Rebbe, Reb Shalom of Belz, had drawn water for the Mayim Shalano, the special water which is used to bake matzahs. When they finished their task, they were leaving the water overnight to use the next day. They wished the Rebbe, L'shana haba b'Yerushalayim, next year in Yerushalayim. The Rebbe asked, why next year? We can take this water that we drew today and we can bake matzahs in Yerushalayim and eat them in the presence of Mashiach tomorrow. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. We're live in Jerusalem on a Monday. It's JM and the AM here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And we are uh, live from the presidential suite, the porch, the mirpeset, the patio of the presidential suite here at the Inbal Hotel, our headquarters in Jerusalem. And uh, for those of you who were tuned in about an hour ago, you know the story. Barry Lieben and I fulfilled a dream, a lifelong dream for both of us. And that was to be together in Jerusalem and to present uh, shows from what Barry's now referring to as the NSN porch. That's how he's referring to it now. Uh, Barry Lieben, welcome back to JM in the AM. Such a delight to be sitting next to you again. I appreciate it. What do you think of this weather here in Jerusalem? God's weather. Just God's beautiful. Weather. Just beautiful. And the Inbal, they deserve a big thumbs up, don't they? They're doing an incredible job for us here. And it's such a pleasure to be sitting with you, Nachum, and my grandson and two of my oldest and dearest friends. Steve Leibowitz and Bobby Brown. And they are here. Steve Leibowitz, of course, a familiar voice to our JMAM listeners. Steve, for many years, helped us uh, understand, if it's possible to understand, the news from Israel uh, with the Jerusalem Post and Israel Television's IBA News, now the editor of ILTV Internet Newscast. And, of course, what he's most proud of, and Barry, you can uh, attest to this, founder and uh, president of the American Football League in Israel, uh, Barry, you remember you remember the first few days of that league in Israel, don't you? Now it's a flourishing league here in the Holy Land. It's uh, one of the. It's really in a land of miracles. This is one of the great stories and miracles of Israel. Uh, Steve came to Israel on Ali Aaron in '74. In '74, um, and <laughs> he really, he really had two things. He had a great passion for. One was journalism and the news, and he had one of the great jobs for many years in journalism with English TV. And the other passion he had was football, a lifelong giant fan, something he shared with me. And there was no football of any sort in Israel. And Steve created from absolutely nothing an American football league in Israel. Um, and it got its roots from its first meeting with Robert Kraft at the Patriots office in Boston. And Steve was a little nervous to go meet one of the great men and great entrepreneurs in the world. And for some reason, he thought having me with him would help. <laughs> I have no idea why. I would have advised <laughs> against it. <laughs> so would I have, especially being a lifelong Giant fan. But we went together. And from that meeting, Mr. Kraft became his staunchest and best helper, advisor, supporter to grow the American Football League in Israel. From that time, on a very small little field with how many teams, Steve? Well, when we met Kraft, we had about the 10 teams, and we were still playing touch football, right. and we had no place to play. Right, and Steve will tell you when he begins what they have now, but 
I can tell you that there are 2,000 people, 2,000 people playing football in Israel now. And our goal remains the same, to make American football the second most popular sport in the state of well, Israel. third, after basketball third. and soccer. After right. basketball and soccer, third. We're well on our way, and Steve will take over. But um, I just want to express, you know, I have a lot of friends in the state of Israel, and most of them are totally incompetent and useless. And <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I think he includes me in that, by the way. <laughs> I do. Well, the same friends I have in America. And Steve has established a great, great thing in Israel that he's done with incredible determination, incredible competence, and I couldn't be proud of what he's done in this. And I see the children and adults and people that play football. And uh, tomorrow night I'll be having dinner with every member of the this year's team and last year's team of the Big Blue Lions in Jerusalem that have won the championship two years. Oh, one person's not coming? No, one person. Gary told me one other person, uh, they're on another team. Oh, okay, thank you, Cole. Oh, he was traded. He was traded. One guy traded. So we'll be wow. having dinner with our last two years' teams that have won the championship Holy Land Bowl for tackle for two years in a row. And I think it's the thing I've been looking most to on this trip. Other than sitting next to you, Doc. <laughs> thank you. And I have to tell you, the reason I bring it up is that when I speak to members of my team that play here, and these are people that all go to the army, work hard to make a living in Israel, and they speak with such passion about their time on the team. Uh, a guy that ran our barbecue last night who worked so hard to make a living, and, as he said, pay my mortgage and take care of his kids. And he says, but you have to have a soul. This is exactly the word he used to be, is the Shabbat. This is my soul here, my time playing football in Israel. Very cool. So I couldn't be prouder of Steve, so I'll Steve, hand it over there. The, craft, the first Kraft Stadium opened when? 1999. And now there is what we call the next Kraft Stadium? Kraft Family Sports Campus. And that is exact. For those who know Jerusalem, where is it? It's in the Arizim Valley where Lifta uh, is. It, it exists in Lifta in the valley near the entrance to the city. I was going to say, sort of at the entrance of Three town. fields, one next to the other with state-of-the-art locker rooms and, and other facilities there. It's an $18 million project and Robert Kraft is the name sponsor. Did he spearhead the $18 million project? Well, he, he they came to him with the project already on the drawing board, and he came and brought it over the top, and he together saw, with Mayor Barkat. And he saw what you had done in the first 20 years of this project. So we have another small field here in Jerusalem called the Kraft Family Stadium, right. which we began in 1999, as you mentioned, but it's not regulation size football field. Right. We needed a real full-size field with goalposts and lines marked and everything. So now one exists in Jerusalem. Is there a suite for Barry to visit when he comes to see the games at the new We're facility? We're going to take Barry to see the facility today so that oh, we can really? figure out where to put the next suite. That's pretty cool. You get to see that for the first time. You haven't been there yet, huh? No, tonight will be our premier visit. That's pretty I'm cool. I'm looking forward to find out where I can build the next Lieben family suite. There you go. looking forward One to that me and you can both sit in and fit in at the same time. That would be an adventure, wouldn't it? Uh, by the way, our very own Yoni Pollock played in the Kraft Stadium, you may know. I, I think Which you, team did you play for? He played for a variety of teams, if I'm not mistaken. No one wanted him. Which one? Jump Jim. Jump Jim won a, ch a couple of championships. Oh, there you go. Not, not your year. Your huh? <laughs> anyway. And my son played, I think, for Zion Tours, if I'm not mistaken. He was the center for Zion Tours. Really big guy I, up front. I, I've seen your son. He could have been the whole line. <laughs> he could have been the entire <laughs> offensive line. In the world of journalism, 
the bulk of the time, you're doing this for decades, and the bulk of the time you're doing it, Prime Minister Netanyahu is leading the country. It's, it's almost unfathomable for those of us who know the history of Israel that he has lasted this long in that position. Is, do you, what, what, what do you think of his job performance over these decades compared to other prime ministers? Am I allowed to say that some people would say he's been in the job too long, or <laughs> should I temper my comments in order to uh, be impartial and, and, and not give? Look, he's done some very good things. I would like him to be, if you're asking my sure. personal opinion, 100%. I would like to see more decisiveness and and have a goal of how he would like to see the political crisis or the political situation between us and the Palestinians resolved at some point down the line. You know, Bobby, uh, who's going to be on very soon, and myself, both live in so-called West Bank settlements. What city are you in? I live in a, a town called Haradar, mm-hmm. and Bobby lives in Tekoa. Right? And we would like to see permanent borders, you know, that we actually live inside the state of Israel and have things determined and final. Obviously, we also want to live peacefully with our Arab neighbors, if such a thing is possible. And if it's not, we at least want to know that we live inside the nation of Israel. We'd like to see Netanyahu be more decisive in that direction. And this is certainly a valid opinion. Um, uh, I'm going to put Barry on the spot, because Barry, a few years ago, revealed to me that there's three things... (laughs) <laughs> you remember this? There <laughs> were three things. There were three things preventing him from making Aliyah. You want to guess the three, or you don't want to guess the three? Well, they, Steve, Steve let, you may be able to get these let, three. Let's be clear. <laughs> there were three things preventing me from going in Aliyah many years ago. Right. Many years ago, there were three well, things. Let me say this. Yes. Uh, Barry was an inspiration for many of us in Beitar. We, we, I grew up, I was involved in the Beitar movement. Right. Barry was the leader of Beitar in the United States. He inspired us through teaching us the Jabotinsky ideology that we must come on Aliyah. He stayed in the States to support our Correct. Uh, Aliyah, which is, you I know, agree the, with that. Exactly. But, uh, but nonetheless... He had said to me. I think Steve might figure some of them out. He, he had said Remember, to me. Remember, it was he said 30, he did, he said well, I figured things. you have to have football. Oh, that's very good. Number one, I've done that for you. So now you've 30, done, 40 no, years. No, not doing only that. that, but we had the Giants right here on the porch yeah, last uh, night. By the way, I have to interrupt for one thing. Barry was talking about football. Uh, as of now, Barry is going to become a leader, uh, the leader of the uh, friends of the Israel Football League nice. in the United States, a U.S.-based uh, uh, not-for-profit organization, yes. nice. so that if there Chairman. are listeners out there that want to get involved and help out or even make a donation sure. or get it on the board, they, Barry's the guy to talk to. Very nice. Great idea. So that was one of them. Football's football. one. One is football. Let's see if you can get the second. You have to, I mean, th- this. Never. I, you, you, you'll kick yourself if you don't get it. You, you, will, you will say, oh, of course I should have known that. What do you think? What does uh, Barry need outside his door every well, day? There, it, has, one of the, it has to re- involve food somehow. No. Nope. Uh, nothing involved What does food. he need outside his door every day? Not the New York Times. No, but, I don't but, think he's but, a big fan but, of the, but, the New York Post. There you go. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Every time I go to visit Barry's house, there is always a New York Post there to read, and I go straight so to I page six. I said to him that now he can read Sports Phil Mushnick online. The smart section of the New York Post. Now he can read online. Now he can read third. The third is much more sensitive to Brown, and you could probably figure it out. Bobby, what is the third? Bobby Brown is here. We'll introduce him formally you, you in a second. You can relate to it, Brown. What would the third be? Something you probably struggled <laughs> with here. Hmm. Ah, the language. He wants yes. everyone ah, to speak English. Everyone needs to speak English. As <laughs> simple as that. I don't want to be a refugee. All right. We're going to bring Bobby in in a second. Before we do so, Yoni, hand me the, the, the bag, please. We have a presentation because not only, you know, Steve not only is a great friend all these years, but, you know, he helped us produce all these shows this week. So we felt we couldn't come to Israel and not bring him something that, that he'd enjoy. 
So for Steve Leibowitz, who is now officially one of the producers at the Nahum Siegel Network, now that's a distinction, huh, that's, Larry? That, that's he, quite he, a he, distinction. He lived for this he, his whole life. Now he can die. <laughs> his whole life he was hoping he could become. So number one, you know, there's some cold Jerusalem nights. Yes. And we've got you a 2018 edition wow. of the New York Giants ski cap. That's I, number one. I know you have video, so I'm going to put it on my head. There you go. <laughs> it looks almost as great as the one you had on last <laughs> night. Sure Cole's going to help you. And then, Cole, help me give this one to Barry. This is the official Steve. Saquon jersey. To, to Steve. This is the official Saquon jersey that we brought along from New York for Steve Leibowitz, producer at the Malcolm Single Network. Look at him. He looks great in this oh. new outfit. Only one thing I would ask nobody to pass this on to Mr. Kraft. I'm not allowed to have my picture. Yes. Ooh. We'll make sure. Ooh, I don't think Kraft careful. follows this show. Uh, excuse me, Barry. You have to assume he does. <laughs> That so would make go, a list of the ship six. And for me and for Miriam and our staff, we say thank you so much for all your help. So there you go. He is outfitted for the next tailgate party yes, in Jerusalem, that's for sure. That would be Roofgate. Tell me about hey, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say I just got back from a, a visit to Iceland. I really could have used this hat. <laughs> this great. We just got it on this guy. It's a great jersey. Yeah, it is a nice jersey. You and have from, one. And from what I hear, the gentleman who wears that jersey normally had a really good game yesterday. Yes, he did. What I hear, so. He did. So there you go. Um, Barry, help me introduce the legendary Bobby Brown. Uh, Bobby Brown's major distinction in life is being one of my close friends for 50 years. I saw a photo of you and him as teenagers. Yes, we were teenagers at one time. It seems long ago. Bobby Brown's had many illustrious career moves. Not, certainly top of the list being an aide to Netanyahu for four years, Bobby, on Diaspora Affairs. Mm -hmm. And many other jobs. Too many to mention. He'll tell you about some of them. One of the great minds of the Jewish world. And up. Very happy to call him one of my dearest and best friends. One of the, um, aside from the times I always hear your name from Barry, your name has been mentioned so many times in these last 20 or 30 years when it comes to Israeli government leadership, when it comes to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's office. And um, they're just, they're so, Mary uh, there's so many things I could ask you about what's happened over all these decades that might help me understand what's going on in the government of the state of Israel. But <laughs> why, why should you understand? <laughs> Nobody else does. But I'll start with 2018. Are we facing new elections, yes or no? Yes. Is it a miscalculation on the part of the prime minister to go to new elections? Is, is it sometimes the case where these people who are comfortably in government outsmart themselves and call for elections way too early or at a wrong time? I've known uh, Netanyahu way before he was prime minister during his first term and up till now. And prime minister does best when he's under pressure. And, you know, similar to what's happening in the United States, there's a whole crew of media and uh, people on the left who are doing everything to try and bring down Netanyahu and his government. And what has happened is exactly the reverse. In the last few months, the polls are showing that he would be reelected and he would come in stronger than he did in the last election. How is it? What is it about his personality? What is it about his political genius? What is it about his diplomacy that's allowed him to hold this position for so long? If you look at it, nobody on the face of the earth could have handled... Obama, Trump, and Putin, as well as he is. That's a good point. And the fact is, yes, there are all kinds of little things that they bring to him. They 
brought up that he had ordered too much ice cream right. in the, and that uh, his wife ordered too much takeout. Mm-hmm. But but as far as being able to hold, you know, in the U.S. State Department, cadets have to listen to 10 of the greatest political speeches ever made in modern times. Of those 10, two of them are, are Netanyahu. And uh, the man, people, even people who don't like him usually say, you're right, I don't like this and I don't like that, but there's nobody on his league that can take his place. I assume I'm not putting you on the spot. Do you know which the two speeches are? Which are uh, the two? No, I don't know. That's be amazing to find that out. Wow, two of the ten are by Prime Minister Netanyahu. Bobby Brown is here. We're talking about the political uh, arena in Israel. Uh, the Prime Minister has now held the position longer than anybody in the history of the state of Israel, which is unbelievable. Now, I said that last year at the U.N., he finally did what so many of us positive thinkers, I know you're among them, about Israel have wanted him to do, which is basically tell the world, hey, if you don't hop aboard now, if you don't become our ally and our friend now, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be left back at the station because this train is leaving and Israel's leading the entire, you know, the entire effort. We're rolling right down the tracks. So I thought that was an amazing message back in 2017. Um, do you do you see that other that that countries around the world are responding in that way? That now, when Jerusalem opens its doors, ambassadors, presidents, representatives of countries all around the world are coming to the feet of the Prime Minister of Israel. Well, it's not only, it certainly isn't for political reasons. They're coming because Israel has become an economic miracle and its development and how it's developed and how it's created out of, out of a country with no natural resources, incredible wealth, incredible uh, products that uh, everyone is saying, I need to be a partner of Israel. Right. And what we're seeing now especially with the changes in the Arab world, is now a proportion of the Arab countries are trying, usually without much fanfare and without much um, publicity, trying to be on Israel's side, trying to get their help in defense matters, in uh, in economic matters. And, uh, you know, one of the things that have made Israel outstanding in the last few years is almost anywhere in the world that has a natural disaster. It's incredible. The first people who, <laughs> the first responders of the world are the Israeli army. And they go there and they've been helping and, and any country that allows them to come, they will help. It's amazing. Bobby Brown is here. What year did you make Aliyah? 1978. All right, so just after Steve made Aliyah, what was the lira to the dollar in 1978? I remember 1980 was 50 lira to a dollar, and it was considered one of the worst economies on planet Earth. Oh, uh, Steve and I have seen it go to... A thousand lira. Right, if you compare it with the, what the old shekel and then which, the prior lira was. Which I was very happy at my first home because the mortgage was an unlinked lira. <laughs> <laughs> and your first home in Israel was where? First home in Israel was in Kiryat Arba. We, uh, Just after it was built? Yeah. Wasn't Kiryat Arba mid-70s? Well, we, we came and moved to Tekoa. There were no permanent housing. And you could still get mortgages linked to the old lira, which was inflating at an unbelievable. Right. So many people bought a safe house in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv and moved out to Judea or Samaria. Our safe house 
when we lived in in uh, in a small caravan in Tacoa was in Kiet Arbor. Unbelievable. Uh, and and that was it was Begin who authorized Kiet Arbor's building, correct? I believe it was him who gave the uh, authorization. I, th- of I think mistaken. it was even before. Begin. Was it before Golda? Maybe. I think it was. Could have been Golda. Uh, I don't remember. Been, it could have been Golda. And the, the beginning of Tacoa, you know, you know how we, how we, for many years, refer, um, uh, thought of Tacoa always with the, uh, uh, the story of um, of Kobe Mandel because he was a resident of Tacoa before his murder, at the age of twelve or thirteen, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm sure you know the Mandel family. Uh, Tacoa started with just a few families back in what year? It started a little over two thousand years ago. <laughs> Good one. I like that. <laughs> So, sometimes the enemy forgets that, you know. <laughs> with, the, with the prophet Amos. <laughs> Correct. Um, and it, m- it mentioned many times the uh, Tekoa came forward first of all the cities to build the Beit HaMikdash. And so being that no good deed goes unpunished, they were told you could have the honor of building two portions right. while everyone else built one. The Hanukkah oil came from Tekoa. Right. Uh, King David's advisor with the wise woman of Tekoa. And so it existed in ancient times. We, it was, we started actually by Shimon Perez in 1975 as a Nahal, an army outpost. And in 19, the end of 1977, the first civilians moved in. Unbelievable. And you were in by what year? I was in 78. In 78. Your Pnei Kedem is right near Tekoa? Am I yeah, correct about not, that? Not f- there's an area called the Eastern Gush. Right. When I came, the Eastern Gush consisted of Tekoa, nothing it. else. But today we have five or six communities. One of them is Pinake. Any clue how many people live in Pinake? I'm curious because I remember the first day that the first one moved in. I think there may be something like 100 and something. Unbelievable. What number of family oh, were you? It, I was number seven. I, I and my wife and my daughter were number seven. Today, we have just completed a new area, and as people move in, we will reach 1,300 families. Absolutely incredible. The largest community in the regional council of Gush Etzion. Unbelievable. Now, both you and Steve, well, Steve before, and now I'm sure you would say the same thing. Uh, in Steve's case, he mentioned Barry and the education that one gets and the speeches about Jabotinsky, etc., and how that influences one to make Aliyah. There's no greater feeling I get in the last 35 years when someone says to me, one of the reasons I made Aliyah is I heard you speak about all this. Speak for a moment to my audience about the responsibility that Jewish teachers have in all schools, right to left and across the board, to remind the children in the classroom how important Israel is in their lives. In my opinion, every Jew has to face forward to make Aliyah. And the only people who can delay their Aliyah are teachers who teach Jewish heritage. And and uh, unfortunately, the amount of people who say I'm needed here is way over the amount of good teachers that there are. But I think that I was influenced by Beitar. Right. Okay, I came we felt that the weight of the Jewish world goes on our shoulders and when Jews were threatened in Iraq or threatened in the former Soviet Union, that was our fight. And we fought and uh you know, today what all the Beitrim did together is almost legendary, and uh, 
there isn't a meeting where we get together and don't talk about the good old times and what we did. There was a meeting like that just this past week. It was. Here in Jerusalem. We had about two dozen uh, Beit Harim who got together in honor of the Liban's uh, visit. And it was a wonderful time of talking, of seeing old friends. Luckily, the statute of limitations is over <laughs> for that period of time. Now, Steve was taking notes. Well, you <laughs> got to remember, this was a time when Sharansky was in prison. Right. We figured no, anything Steve we did. spending his whole night going, I don't remember that. <laughs> I had no part of that. The whole night. That's, that's what I'm saying now. No matter, no matter what we talked about, Steve said, I have no recollection of that. <laughs> and one of our most illustrious pay to him, who was supposed to be here, Gary Siegel, couldn't come because his sister is extremely ill, and he stayed with her in the States. But uh, many of the stories were about him and about yes. the things we did, and uh, I just uh, would like to use this opportunity to wish his sister a refor shlema, and hopefully she will come back to good health, and then he can come and we can make fun and of him. And we can make fun of him again. <laughs> Um, well, you, there are a lot of categories you could be placed in. Mitnachlim, some people might call you settlers. I think Barry would call you heroes. Barry, am I right about that? Well, well, uh, they are two of my special heroes. I admire them greatly. Yeah, but but you got to understand, when you talk about a settlement, not everything is exactly the same. Right. Bobby lives in a very ideological settlement called Tekoa. In, in the community that I live, which is only a few hundred meters over the, the Green Line, people there will not admit that they live in a West Bank settlement. In right. fact, when I first came there about 13 years ago, I put up a sign on my balcony that said, <laughs> Yeshezekan, Judea and Samaria is here. Yeah. I had a visit by a committee of community <laughs> residents saying, take that down immediately. It's really bad for, for, for the value, house values. <laughs> I you love know, it. Every Israeli, in a way, is a hero because they defend the rights of the Jewish people every single day. They're the, they're the, the, the tip of the spear. But Olim are even more heroes because they chose to come here. They weren't born here. Right. And everybody, my friends play a great role here. Steve brought the passion of his life here to build his dream. Bobby serves, he served for the prime minister serves in helping Jews all over the world in his diaspora relations. So they're two very special people, and I'm very proud. I stayed home because someone has to make a living to help them both. <laughs> and they'll be the first to admit that. They'll be the first to acknowledge it. <laughs> uh, Bobby, thank you so much. You're very what welcome. An honor to have you here. I feel very privileged to be on your show, Thank and you. I've heard so much about it. Thank you very and much. I wish you only more and more strength. Amen. And Steve, I want to say one last thing in all seriousness, yes, and I'm sir. sure Barry agrees. There have been other sports that have tried to make their mark in Israel from the United States, and they did not succeed. Well, I have one major advantage. Football is the greatest sport ever <laughs> There you go. So. I think Nachum would agree with you. Football is a great one. He's a Jet fan. Football's a great Yes. By uh, the way, a long football, Israelis really, really are taking to football. It's from the ground up. Like, right. Not like baseball where they tried to bring a professional league right. and put it here. Ba baseball came in with a gigantic budget yeah. from the top down and failed. Steve came in with no budget from and the succeeded. bottom up and succeeded. That is a tribute purely to Steve. And the Israelis, I bet you, don't like all the unnecessary roughness penalties now. <laughs> I bet you. That's, that, that is true. But by the way, in the beginning, we were mostly American immigrants and kids of American immigrants that were playing football in Israel. Now it's Hebrew in the huddle. And 
<laughs> That's great. Hebrew. That's great. In, in the beginning, in Jerusalem, the vast majority of our players are observant people. In fact, when we take our national team abroad, we must travel with kosher food. We, uh, our team uh, observes uh, the Sabbath. We will never play a game on the Sabbath with the only Maybe softball is like this. We're basically the only major sport in the country that insists on inclusion, including all of the Orthodox Jews and giving them the possibility to play the sport. Phenomenal. We I are love fierce it. religious warriors. Phenomenal. Fantastic. Uh, and your grandson's here to witness all this. Oh, what do you have to say to end this part of the show? Goodbye. There you go. He's a natural. Well said. <laughs> Barry Lieben, Bobby Brown, Steve Leibowitz. Um, so, uh, so glad. Say it again. Cole. And Cole Pally, all part of our <laughs> historic committee uh, at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. More coming up here at JM in the AM. Um, another full hour of broadcast for this Monday, plus, of course, tomorrow and Wednesday as well from Jerusalem. Keep it right here, everybody. We are at the Lieben Presidential Suite, Mir Peset, the patio of the Presidential Suite of the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem.
Our good friend Shlomo Katz, Ufro Salainu. He just left Israel last night for a uh, special journey to the Ukraine, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. We tried to actually uh, make contact with him and make him part of our broadcast. That did not work yet, but hopefully next time. Uh, before that, I'm from Fried here at JMN. Well, Michael Freund is with us. He's founder and chairman of Shavei Israel, dedicated to assisting descendants of Jews and the lost tribes of Israel to reclaim their roots. Born and raised in New York, moved in 1995, appointed thereafter by Prime Minister Netanyahu to serve as Deputy Communications Director, left the Prime Minister's office, and then we fast forward, and he is um, and he leads Shavei Israel, which is making a tremendous impact when it comes to the present, when it comes to the present and the future of the Jewish people. Michael Freund, welcome to JM and the AM. Thanks. Great to be with you. Uh, Yoni, you want to uh, put this microphone up, please? Thank you very much. There you go, Michael. Welcome. Thanks. Appreciate you being here. I'm at uh, my Shabbos table a few weeks ago, and I have a guest from Addis Ababa. And he says to me that uh, his family left the villages of Ethiopia to move to Addis Ababa because it would increase their chances of Aliyah. And I said to him, while you've been here and you've heard Shiurim and you've you know, met people from the area, has anything struck you? And he said, I was listening to a Shiurim to a shiur by a specific person about the mitzvah of living in Israel and I turned around to everybody in Teaneck, New Jersey and said to myself how is it possible that all these people can move at a moment's notice and they don't do it and we're suffering for 20 years trying to make Aliyah from Addis Ababa and, you know, and I thought that was a very interesting um, point of view or you know, philosophical <laughs> angle to the entire discussion about so many people on this earth who are pining to get to the Holy Land. And we, of course, I could say, because I'm still living in the U.S., take it for granted. It's very true. And, in fact, it's one of the most inspiring parts of the work that I do is um, traveling all over the world, seeing these far-flung communities who make such enormous efforts to maintain uh, their Jewish practices, their Jewish tradition, and who have this real longing for Eretz Israel, for the land of Israel. And it's, um, in many ways, we think that uh, by bringing them here, they strengthen us, which is true. Um, 
but they also inspire us as well. They inspire us to be better, and they remind us about what's really important. And just so that our, my audience understands, you are a kippah-wearing Orthodox Jew, and I say that, because I'm sure a percentage of the people listening right now are saying to themselves, do we know if these people are, quote-unquote, really Jewish? Like they're, they have all these Jewish practices that are dominant in their village, in their community, in their synagogue, etc. But do we know what their heritage is? And I'm wondering how important that is. Oh, it's critical. Uh, my organization, Shave Israel, we work very closely with the Rabbanut Rashid, with the Israeli chief rabbinate. And um, in cases uh, where conversion is required by the, by the chief rabbinate, uh, that is what is done. Uh, if it's a matter of a safek, if it's a matter of a doubtful status, um, then uh, the person goes through the requisite conversion process. And they generally cooperate. Very it's much so. Very much so. How and many countries are they from? How many different parts of the world do we find these types of communities? Well, um, let's bear in mind, we all know from Jewish history that uh, no people was persecuted like our people, and we were scattered to the four corners of the earth. So it's no surprise that we would find nowadays traces or remnants of Jews just about everywhere that you look. Uh, Shavei Israel now is active in uh, more than a dozen countries around the world with a variety of different communities. Each one is unique. Uh, they range from the Bnei Menashe, the descendants of one of the ten lost tribes of Israel, uh, the tribe of Menashe in northeastern India, to the Chinese Jews of Kaifeng, to the hidden Jews of Poland from the Holocaust, to the Moranos or the Bnei Anusim of Spain, Portugal, and Central and South America. Each story is very different, um, but we're in witnessing this incredible awakening that's taking place as more and more Jewish neshamas um, are suddenly desiring to come back to our people and to our land. Um, I sometimes find it frustrating that people who, who are very adherent and who are strict about following our tradition sometimes do not realize that that same tradition demands that we be very open to those who want to be part of our people. Um, not just referring to non-Jews who, who want to be converts, but referring also to those who you describe who are keeping Jewish practices to whatever degree, sometimes very different than the way we do it, but they have expressed this, this love and desire to be part of the Jewish people and Eretz Yisrael. Do you, do you find a lot of pushback, or am I just thinking of a small minority in the Jewish world that feel that way? I think um, whatever issue one might uh, choose in the Jewish world, you're always going to get pushback, uh, no matter what the issue is. And certainly when it comes to matters of conversion, which touch upon a range of sensitive subjects. Right. Um, Both Ashkenazic and Sephardic communities. Right? Exactly. Um, and the fact is that for the past 1900 years, we got the stuffing kicked out of us uh, over and over again. And I think that had an impact on how we view outsiders who want to join us. Right. 200 or 300 years ago, if Ivan came over the hill to the shtetl and wanted to come to the minion, uh, allowing him to do so would have possibly endangered the entire community because his relatives would come the next day and we all know what would, uh, happen. What would happen. Nowadays, that we are a sovereign nation in our own land, that we stand tall and proud on the world stage, I think that it's time for us to find a mechanism, obviously within the boundaries of halakha, to be more 
warm and open and welcoming to those who want to join us. And especially, how much more so if we're talking about people who are descendants of Jews, who are Zera Yisrael, and who are looking to return to the fold. I believe very passionately and strongly we have an obligation towards those people who are descendants of Am Yisrael, if they're knocking on our collective door asking to be allowed back in, how can we possibly slam the door in their faces? Right. How many Jews are in China that, of the category that you're describing? Uh, there was a Jewish community in uh, Kaifeng, in the city of Kaifeng, which began in the 7th or the 8th century. It was founded by Sephardic Jewish merchants who settled there. In the Middle Ages, there were as many as four to 5,000 Jews. They built, today? Today, there are about uh, 1,000 people who are descendants of that Jewish community, and we can identify them via family trees. Is their Shabbat service anything like ours? Well, in recent years, the unfortunately, the communist government there has cracked down on the uh, remaining uh, Jewish descendants in Kaifeng and has forbidden them from gathering together and praying and celebrating Shabbat and the Chagim. We've been able to bring about two dozen young Chinese Jews on Aliyah to Israel. In Living in a years. specific area here, or it could be anywhere? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. We have the, uh, the beginnings of a nascent uh, Chinese-Jewish community here in Jerusalem. They all go through a full uh, conversion by the chief rabbinate to remove any doubts about their status. And um, this, too, was foretold by the, uh, the prophets, uh, Yeshayahu, Perak Mem Ted Pasuk Yud Bet, chapter 49, verse 12, at the end of the verse, Yishayahu says that at the end of days, Ela Me'eretz Sinim, and those from the land of the Chinese, they too will come back. And I'd like to think that uh, the Aliyah of the Chinese Jews is the fulfillment of that prophetic vision. For those who wonder if we are truly in Reishitz Michat Gulatenu, that would be one of the proofs. I think we're even past the ratio right, part. Right, even past the ratio at this part, Baruch Hashem. Michael Freund is here, head of Shavei Yisrael. How did you get involved in this work? Uh, back in 1997, uh, it was shortly after the, uh, the withdrawal from Hebron. I was working in the prime minister's office, and I happened to sit next to a lovely guy named Bobby Brown, who was a diaspora affairs minister. He's with time. us today. How do you like that? And he happens <laughs> to be here with us. And a letter f addressed to the Prime Minister from the Bnei Menashe, from the community in northeastern India, arrived on Bobby's desk. And um, Bobby thought I would be interested in this subject. And um, I read the letter. I initially was very skeptical. I did not believe that they were, in fact, from a lost tribe of Israel. Uh, I grew up in the New York area. You had the same education we had. Right. <laughs> Every Jewish person I knew looked just like me. I'd had to. <laughs> Maybe they weren't as handsome, but, uh, but they, were, they all grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, so it just struck me as bizarre that there might be a lost tribe of our brethren in the far reaches of northeastern India. But um, I met some members of the community. I saw how sincere they were, how committed they were to living a life of Torah and mitzvot and moving to Israel. And uh, so I became involved in helping them together with Bobby. And uh, thank God we were able to arrange through the bureaucracy for large numbers of them to come on Aliyah. And wow. it, in 99, when Netanyahu left office, I left the prime minister's office. And I began thinking more broadly about this question of Zerah Yisrael, of descendants of Jews. 
And I simply got on the plane and started traveling and visiting all these uh, far-flung places. And I saw that these communities are out there. These people are out there. They're still conscious of their historical Jewish connection. And I think it's in our interest, our national interest, to be extending a hand to them, reaching out to them. Because uh, even if it's someone... It's also our religious obligation, likely, as I tried to point out earlier. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, you know, um, many of us, uh, right, in Shacharit every morning, right before we uh, begin the Amidah, we say, we ask Hashem, right. We may not realize it, but every morning we're davening that Judah, the Jewish people, and Israel, the ten tribes, should be redeemed and brought back here. It is part of our eschatology. It is part of our view of the, the end of days, that they are all going to come back here. And our purpose in this world, of course, is to uh, do partner with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to do what we can to bring holiness into this world. And I'd like to think that we are setting the stage for the ultimate redemption by helping those who were lost and dispersed uh, to come back home again. mentioned this earlier, and I don't know if it's exactly in your area of expertise, but you know how desperate the Jews in Ethiopia are to make Aliyah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very difficult and complex situation. The government has passed a number of resolutions on the issue in recent years. There has been some resistance within the bureaucracy to bringing those people over. Um, uh, the government now just decided to bring another thousand right. people. Uh, so hopefully they will come uh, this year. Slowly but surely that problem will be resolved, but uh, it, it shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't be this difficult uh, to bring back uh, those who truly want to uh, rejoin the ranks of our people. Well, and we're getting to the point where so many of these people, I'm sure already, are helping transform the state of Israel in, in, in important roles and in important capacities. Absolutely. I know among the B'nai Menashe, we've been blessed to bring almost 4,000 B'nai Menashe and Aliyah to Israel. There are another 6,500 or so still in India waiting to come. A number of young people in the community have already, young men have gotten uh, smicha, have gotten wow. rabbinical ordination. Uh, they all serve in the army. Many of them volunteer for combat units. Uh, we have a growing number of young B'nai Menashe who go to Israeli colleges and, and universities. Uh, the first one just got into the Technion uh, last year. Uh, so they are making great strides to become part of the fabric of Israeli society. And not that I should harp on it, but it always in, it interests me. Geographically, are they in one specific area of Israel, or are they everywhere at this point? We settle them in batches in various communities. What would be an example of a place where um, they're significant? Uh, we've brought two large groups this year um, of about 450 people altogether. Half of them were settled in Beit Sha'an. The other half in Nesher, which is outside Haifa. We have other communities in Akko, Ma'alot, Upper Nazareth, Tzfat, Tveria. Amazing. Um, we want to ensure that uh, we don't put them all in one place and then they don't integrate. We want them to um, really become part of this country. How do people get more information about Shavei Israel? Uh, I would encourage them to check out our website, www.shavei.org, shavei.org and to join us in this historic mission of bringing our people home. And for those Jews who are, uh, who are still there in, in New Jersey and New York and elsewhere, um, I don't judge anyone's uh, personal decisions, but um, give Aliyah more thought. 
just like you ask Shilas about what goes into your mouth, ask Shilas about where your body really needs to be in this world. And where it belongs. Tadaraba. Thank you so much, Michael Thanks. Freund. What an honor to have you here. Uh, check it out, Shaveh.org, right? Shaveh.org for the website for Shaveh Israel. And uh, Michael Freund doing amazing work in a very sensitive and incredible area here in the state of Israel. We are in Jerusalem here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We are at the uh, presidential suite balcony here at, um, um, as, uh, as we are guests of the Lieben family at the Inbal Hotel. Inbal Hotel has always been our home base here in Israel, especially in Jerusalem. And again, it is serving as an amazing and incredible uh, resource for us this time around. Thank you again, Michael. Uh, well, one of our uh, one of our favorite people is here, to say the least. Somebody who um, somebody who always welcomes us to his incredible, magnificent facility. Somebody who was brave enough to have us there back in February when we transformed his amazing hospital into one of the most uh, fun productions we were ever involved with. Professor Jonathan Halevia served as Director General of Shari Tzedek Medical Center. In Jerusalem since 1988, Professor Halevi has uh, a, quite a CV, to say the least. I won't go through all of it. I will tell you, though, uh, that one of the uh, most remarkable things, and it was mentioned earlier, about Shari Tzedek and Professor Halevi and his staff is that if a natural disaster, a catastrophic episode happens anywhere on this earth, affecting people, no matter who they are, of whatever background, it is often that, uh, that he and those associated with him uh, Dr. Sachari Tzedek lead the teams that go to help uh, those who are in desperate situations. Just one of the things he's done in 42 years of working in medicine. 43 no, years. No, 32. 32 years, rather, of working in medicine. In September last month, Professor Alevi announced he'd step aside from his role as Director General at Sharit Tzedek at the end of February of 2019. Dr. Ofer Merin is uh, slated to uh, take over in that position, effective March the 1st. Shana Tava to you, Professor Alevi. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Good to be here. It is great to see you. Always wonderful to share time with you, especially here in Jerusalem. Um, this has been... Um, uh, a, we look at Jerusalem today, and I'm looking at a facility that has just expanded, and we see the old city, the new city. We joke about the crane being the uh, official bird, the official uh, <laughs> bird of the state of Israel because of all the construction going on. And you are overseeing one of the most incredible medical developments in the state of Israel. It seems every time we turn around, there is another building, another department, another area that Shari Tzedek is providing to the community. Well, thank you very much for the compliments. Yes, I think we are in a very rapid pace of development to supply the needs of Jerusalem. Uh, the people of Jerusalem is increasing by around 2% a year, wow. a little bit more than the state of Israel. Many new babies, most of them born at Shari Tzedek, but not only at Shari Tzedek, are added, and the population is aging, and thank God uh, we have Aliyah to Jerusalem. So although there are five to 6,000 Israeli youngsters, mainly secular, who leave the city every year, the city is still grows every year and the demand for inpatient services and for ambulatory services from the only hospital located in the center of the city is increasing every year and we thanks to the generosity of friends from all over the world but large part of them from the u.s from right. your country we are able to develop and to build every year and you're right i mean if you look at the projects that we opened uh, only this year you know a new shopping center 
a new um, um, intensive care unit, the Reisman Intensive Care Unit endowed by uh, the Reisman family in Los Angeles, uh, a new department of surgery that still uh, looks for naming. And <laughs> if you come to Sharet Sedek today, you will see a huge big hole that we dug in the last uh, 10 months in order to prepare for uh, a large parking lot, that underground parking lot that is missing. Parking is one of our problems. And more than that, a new, the basis of a new cancer center that will start with a radiotherapy, irradiation therapy center for oncology patients. Unfortunately, fortunately, heart diseases are on the decline. Unfortunately, oncological diseases are on the incline or increase in numbers. But part of it is because of early detection. Part of it is because we can treat them better and cure large percentage of them. And part of it is because of the aging of the population. So oncology, like geriatrics, is one of the disciplines in medicine that we can foresee a major increase in the next few years. And Sharet Sedek prepares itself for that. We have a very large department of geriatrics, and we are building a new cancer center. In your capacity as director general, there's no doubt that you have always demanded that your surgeons, doctors, etc., stay up-to-date, state-of-the-art, know what's going on in their departments up to the minute, so to speak. Do you find that that's much more difficult these days with the rapid changes that continue to happen in almost every department of medicine? No, I don't find it uh, more difficult than uh, years before. It has to do with a very talented young generation. It has to do with technologies that today make uh, the knowledge in medicine much more accessible than my time. I can only tell you as an anecdote. When I was in rounds, medical rounds with my professor, when I was a young physician in the 1970s, and we had a dilemma seeing a patient that we were puzzled. He had constellation of symptoms that we cannot decipher and know what he has. The professor would send me to a room in the medical library where there was on the walls from four sides Index Medicus. I had to spend hours, if not a day or two, in order to see if this constellation of symptoms was described in the literature, what does it mean? Today, the resident with his cellular phone <laughs> will put in, you know, large spleen, large liver, biochemistry like this and this, he will come with an answer within minutes. So Point they, well taken. So the accessibility of the knowledge and also the talents that the new generation has makes it easier to be updated today than in the past. Am I right that one of the biggest developments in eyesight and eye care just came from Sharitetic? Am I right about that? Well, you're 100% right, but the words just came has to be changed to, with God's help, will come. Ah, okay. It's an initial stage of research. It's a new physician that we headed to our staff, Ole Hadash, a new immigrant from France. Wow. A young physician who the works now with researchers in Barilan University on a substitute for glasses by putting drops on your lens. Literally and they eye drops. Will reflect, yeah. That's pretty amazing. But uh, we are very far from the practical stage, but it's a nanotechnology uh, a modality that um, is being developed, and we are definitely partners. What was Dr. Ofer Meren's reaction when he was told that he was being considered for the next director generalship? Well, to say the truth, I had to convince him. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Ofer Meren is a very unique individual. 
and uh, I try to be a man who plans for the future. I'm now a little bit over 70. When I was 60, I asked him to join the management of Shari Tzedek 10 years ago. Wow. After he established a superb trauma unit in the hospital, he's a cardiac surgeon okay. in training and in origin and was doing an open-heart operation until recently. But he established our trauma unit that saved the lives of hundreds of severely wounded in the terror activities and motor vehicle accidents in Jerusalem. I saw over 10 years ago his managerial abilities, his personality, his integrity, his leadership as the commander of the field hospital that you mentioned right. in your opening remarks. I was a Nochschlepper with him to Nepal, but he is a real commander, he's a colonel in the army, in reserve. And I saw his leadership abilities and especially his personality, and I asked him to join the management. And we worked together. He is my deputy for the last 10 years except the two weeks in Nepal where he was my commander. <laughs> and uh, when I planned my semi-retirement, because I will remain as a co-director and uh, a part of the management, but I wanted the day-to-day -day responsibility to take someone who really will continue what I see as my life project, and the life project or project of many of my colleagues, he was the natural choice. And he hesitated a lot if to leave his career as a surgeon, and uh, to concentrate on managing the hospital. He doesn't want to give up in the next few years his reserve service as the commander of the field hospital, which is okay. I also had a lot of extracurricular activity <laughs> in my 31, 32 years tenure. And um, yes, he agreed, and I'm very glad about it. And the board, the International Board of Directors of Shari Tzedek, voted him uh, unanimously as the next director, uh, Justin Oshanarab, a few days ago. Very nice. A great brand new year for him. Um, uh, Professor Alevi, it's no secret that when we're in Jerusalem especially, but it happens other times as well, I, I try to convey messages of Aliyah and bridging the gap between Israel and the diaspora to the best of my ability for my audience. We know about the North American donors and the impact they've had on Sharet Tzedek. What have North American medical personnel, what type of impact have they had Tremendous. You know that the most sought-after medical title in Israel is GIA. I'm sure you know what GIA is. What is it? Gavain in America. <laughs> so first and foremost, all of us, including myself, I spent 35 right. years ago, two years at Yale University. We have great akaratatov to American medicine because most of the senior physicians in Israel in general and in Sharet Tzedek in particular spent two to three years in the forming stage of their careers doing fellowships in uh, in the U.S. I think academic medicine in the U.S. is high level. Mm -hmm. I believe clinical medicine in Israel is not inferior, if not superior, wow. to the one in America. But when you're talking research and academic medicine and training physicians, academicians, uh, the U.S. is definitely a leader. And I would say that out of our 900 physicians at Shari Tzedek, 250 are residents, so they haven't been there far. From the senior physician, most of them spent a period of fellowship in the United States. I have a lot of Akarata Tov, who was the beneficiary of a prestigious Fogarty Fellowship back in the 80s, early 80s, 83 to 85, that enabled me to spend two years at Yale University to do a fellowship in gastroenterology with emphasis on liver diseases. It serves me till today, and I'm not sure if the board of Sharet Tzedek that interviewed me 32 years ago 
composed mainly of Americans. If I didn't have, if I did not have Yale in my record, I'm not sure I would be here today. That's Very first. Second, as you said, most of our donors come from the U.S. and the late Ludwig Jesselson established a fund that enabled cooperation for decades between Einstein Medical School and Sharet Tzedek, exchanging uh, residents, exchanging uh, fellowship, exchanging lecturers. So this is another donation. And the third one, the contribution of American Jewry and American medicine to Sharet Tzedek, many only. You know, Jerusalem is attractive, attractive sure. for um, especially Orthodox, modern Orthodox, Orthodox physicians and other medical personnel. They come here and many of them are uh, integrated, shall I say that. So great medical personnel in the U.S., there is room for them still in Israel. They should explore the possibility of coming here to, uh, to work and to live. Of course, I believe uh, that every Zionist physician should come here, and he will have, if he's good, he will have a, physici- a position. Can't thank you enough, Professor Alevi. I, I guarantee you one thing, we will not be visiting your hospital this time around. We're okay. staying away. We are not, yeah. we're, not, we're, we're not overturning any department this time. I don't feel, <laughs> I don't feel threatened. You're always welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. There he is. Bye-bye. Professor Yonatan Alevi, Director General of Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. Always enjoy spending time with him, especially here in Yerushalayim. More coming up on a Monday morning broadcast. We are at the fabulous Inbal Hotel Big thank you to both Miriam Alwalek for producing and Steve Leibowitz for producing and Yoni Pollock for engineering. We're at the beautiful Lieben Presidential Suite at the Inbal Hotel on the porch. And um, we will continue with plenty more from Yerushalayim. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר וניצח. We're live in Jerusalem, an amazing day one of this three-day journey. Thank you to the Lieben family and to everybody here at the Inbal Hotel. Yaakov Hagoel is here. Yaakov is um, the current vice chair of the World Zionist Organization, former head of the Department for Activities in Israel and Countering Anti-Semitism. He has served as executive CEO of World Beitar. In August of 2015, he assumed leadership of World Likud following the departure of former head of the organization, Danny Danone, who you may remember. He's always a, a guest of ours. 
He uh, became the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. Yaakov HaGoel, Shalom, welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom uvracha from Jerusalem in Israel. Thank you very much. Good to be here. I thank you for welcoming us in Shana Tava. Um, all right, so let's start with the uh, WZO. Many of our listeners do not know about the work that the organization does. What does the World Zionist Organization do for the Jewish people? The World Zionist Organization, it's an old uh, organization, you know. From, Long time. Uh, yeah, from Herzl in, uh, in Basel. And uh, now it's very, very active in uh, all, all the world. Uh, fight uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, m- to make Aliyah to uh, to Jewish uh, and uh, and, ad- and uh, learn Hebrew, right? All the all Hebrew the language moved to Israel. Uh, spirit of Zionism, combat anti-Semitism, all under your umbrella. Yeah, and WZ. active act- activity in Israel, right? From uh, Israelis in Israel. Um, first of all, we should mention. As Bobby said it to me off the air, there is another World Zionist Congress vote. Is that what we call it? Vote? Election? Yeah, yeah. That's election. going to be coming up. Election. This will be in the summer of 2020, correct? Yeah. Summer correct. of 2020. But people can register now. So if they go to the Congress website, or where could they find out more information about registering for this? The vote uh, starts uh, ne- next year. Right. In this uh, next year. Correct. And uh, the, the vote have a, a, a website in the... In USA, it's uh, in the uh, in the AZM w- w- right. where it's, uh, American Zionist Movement. American Zionist Movement, and yeah. people can register. Yeah, is there any difference between anti-Semitism and anti-Israel? We always are are told by the, especially in the American media, no, or I shouldn't say the American media. That wouldn't be fair. But we are told often by groups who protest against Zionism that they are not anti-Semitic. Is that possible? It's anti-Semitism. It's only because Jewish ever land, it's anti-Semitism point. And that's it. There's no other Ab- way around it. Absolutely. People try to decipher, I'm not really anti-Jewish, I'm just anti-Israel. I'm not really anti-Semitic, I'm only anti-Zionist. You Anti- say- Anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism, anti-Israel, it's Sam. So when people, and Yaakov Hagoel BDS, it's Sam. Right. So when people are on the college campus or people are in state legislatures, uh, you know, um, protesting that, that, they, that their state shouldn't be supporting Israel with products, etc., all of it's the same. Yeah. Everybody listening should realize that. Yeah. Because you read newspapers and look at the Internet on American sites, and very often, like I say, they're trying to make excuses for this. It's all the same. Absolutely. Absolutely it's Sam. How do we it's combat anti-Semitism. It? How do we combat it? A parade of uh, of Jewish, Jewish pride. Jewish pride. That's yeah. the only way. This the point. Only this the point. Because only if we increase that, will it encourage people to go and fight the battle. Absolutely. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Uh, when you look and see what happens on the American college campuses, um, you know how difficult it is for American Jewish students to fight that battle, right? You yeah. are, you appreciate how difficult the situation is for them. What would you say to them? Some of them are listening right now. What would you say to the young people who are now on the front lines of this battle? First of all, come to Israel. <laughs> this is the land of all the Jewish. Yeah? And uh, this is the home of, uh, of all the Jewish. Yeah? And, uh, and, 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 and Jewish parade 
it's 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 a very very um, it's a very very um, in Hebrew yeah fundamental fundamental okay. yeah 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 and, and, and but we also need people who are in the US to fight the battle on the college campus we need them to 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 be equipped Yes. With whatever information yes, they yes, need. Yes, yes, so yes. what would you say to them? What would you say to those who are not moving to Israel right now, but are sitting on campuses where the, the pro... Fight anti-Semitism and Jewish parade and, and, uh, and, uh, and make uh, active, uh, Jewish active in the campus and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and the, the head to the... To up up to, the, to the head. Of the university. Yeah, absolutely. Yaakov Hagoel is here. Vice Chair of the World Zionist Organization, former head of the Department of Activities in Israel, and countering anti-Semitism. The, uh, there's so many different forms of anti-Semitism. We talked about the campus, and of course, there's political anti-Semitism. We spoke about those who, are, uh, who claim to be anti-Zionist or anti-Israel, but they themselves don't think that they're anti-Jewish, etc. Um, and one of the, if not the most, um, if not the greatest example of this is the United Nations. Yeah. Right, where your predecessor is now sitting yeah. and trying to combat that anti-Semitism. Is there any way to form relationships with leaders of other countries and ambassadors that are in the UN and in other public bodies like that and effectively help in the battle against anti-Semitism? You know, the, the problem, it's not a Jewish problem. The problem, it's an all-world um, men's it's problem. Because it's 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 a, it's a, um, it's a natural. It's a nature, human nature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's in some ways there's no reason to fight the battle. In some ways, it's it's a it's a non-winning situation. Yes, yes, because the, the it's it's a world problem. It's not a Jewish problem. So we have to increase Jewish pride continue to fight and get people to move to Israel as soon as possible. Absolutely. That's it. That's the whole method. Welcome to Israel. <laughs> Tadaraba. Yaakov Hagoel with us. Tadaraba, thank you so much for thank joining me today. Thank you very much. And the next year in Jerusalem. For real? Yeah. Not just at the Pesach Seder where people say it. Mamash. But mamash. For mamash. Real. For real is right. Uh, JM and the AM on this Monday, are we going to uh, are we going to bring Barry out for the uh, closing of the show? He's coming out now? We are at the Todarba. Thank you so much. We are at the uh, presidential suite of the Inbal Hotel here in Jerusalem. I'm here with Cole Pally, who's been uh, helping us here today. Again, I thank Steve Leibowitz, who is proudly uh, taking his Saquon Bradley jersey home. Saquon. What did I say? Saquon Barkley. Barkley, right. I said Bradley, sorry. Saquon. See, I'm not a Jet fan. I'm a Jet fan, not a Giant fan. That's what happens. And Barry's coming out, and he's going to uh, wrap things up for a Monday. Now, uh, subsequently, we have guests scheduled for Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Steve, yes, sir. you think John Medved will actually join us here at the Inbal Hotel? He's, uh, he's oh. the Yo Yoni, Yoni, can we turn on the microphone, please? His office is right around the corner. That's a good sign. John 
will be here. It means that us. he will hopefully be here. Yossi Klein Alevi is supposed Klein to join Levy, us. Yossi Klein as far as I'm concerned, is the most brilliant man in the country, bar none. He will be here because he wants to see Barry from, he knew him from the old days. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm told that Effie Zuroff's going to stop Effie by. Effie Zuroff, I just spoke with him. His office is also about 100 meters away. He will be here. I have fact, a lot of things to ask he's sending me a him. list of what he wants to talk about. Good. I'm going to add we'll one see. thing to that list, and I'll tell you what it is after the show. And Caroline Glick is scheduled to join us, one of the most prolific journalists out there. A uh, coll- colleague of yours. I'm afraid she will be here. So she'll be here. Yeah, so she to join us here on JM in the AM. Uh, Barry Lieben, I thank you. This was a dream. Finally, finally accomplished. Uh, we D- would be together. Day one, day one of the marathon. The, day one of our marathon went pretty well, I would yes, say. Yes, I'd say it was great. You met a lot of good people as they were coming through your doors uh, here. Very impressive people coming in here today. Baruch Hashem. And uh, hopefully it will lead to more and more people thinking about Israel, supporting Israel, moving to Israel, visiting Israel. After all, Barry, what's more important than travel to Israel, of course? You you lead travel to every country on the planet. You'd prefer everyone just always go to Israel. No, nothing more important than coming to Israel. And if you've never been to Israel, the first trip to Israel will be the greatest trip of your life. And coming to Israel the second, third, or as me, 40th time, every time is nourishment to your soul. And now I get to, we've stumbled on a phenomenal topic to wrap things up. Your first journey to the Holy Land was in what year, Mr. Levin? 1970. Tell me something from that trip that would be inspiring for our listeners. What do you remember? This they, is three that, years after the Six-Day War. you could buy war. a falafel for a half a shekel. <laughs> That's what you remember? That's what I remember. <laughs> no, what I really remember is I came on a program called Machon Lamajachim Kutzlaretz yeah. to train youth leaders in Zionist movements. And I was in Beitar. And we arrived on the first day, and they gather every one of the 70 of us they're all different youth leaders from around the world in the courtyard of the, where we were at that time in Katamon, which was kind of a slum. And they say to us, this is your first day in Israel. We're going to let you go and visit your friends and relatives. And there were 70 and 68 people ran for their lives to go visit their friends and relatives. And me and my fellow Beitari, Seth Lubin, stood there and said, we don't know one human being in the state of Israel. <laughs> so everyone took off for all places without the state of And we were left there completely alone. And that was that. And we didn't know one single person in Israel. So we saw these three really beautiful women. And we said, where are you going? He said, we have relatives in Kibbutz Shomrat. And here I am all my life in Beitar talking about rival Hashomei Hatzair. Right. And they said, what movement are you? And they said, Hashomei Hatzair. And I looked at them, and they were beautiful. I forgot all my rivalry with Hashem Yatsayir. <laughs> but you're such a loyalist. I'm shocked. We gave it up in 10 <laughs> seconds. And we said, can we go with you? And they said, absolutely. <sighs> I said, so my first five days in the state of Israel was spent in a Hashem Yatsayir kibbutz. And I have to tell you something. I loved it. That kibbutz was in what area of Israel? All the way up north. All the way up north. All, we hitchhiked up to the north. And because they were lovely, they had no problem hitchhiking. If it would have been me hitchhiking, I think I'd still be standing outside Jerusalem. You know, I um, not that there's anything wrong with the way Jerusalem is today, but the Jerusalem and the Israel that your grandson is seeing now oh my God. is very different than what it, you it saw be, for the first it, time. It, it, it would be comparing me and you in size to Cole. <laughs> it's really... It, a, it's a different world. Completely. It's a different world, but I think that it was... Making a phone call with Asim Onim right. was the most difficult thing in the world, and that's why I called home once in five months. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about communicating with the states was so difficult. If you knew a person that had a phone, it was a miracle. I mean, 
And you're talking about a standard house phone. That's I'm talking what you're about talking a standard about. house phone. Yeah. Like one out of 20. Right. The state of Israel, what they've done, the world miracle, it doesn't do it justice. I mean, we should all be so proud of what's happened here. When, when you think that U.S. News and World Report rated Israel the eighth most powerful country in the world, and it yeah. wasn't referring to military. It was referring to every aspect of life. What this country looks like today and what they have to do to keep it's just there's no words and if there's any jew in the world that hasn't been to israel that truly truly is a horrible thing yeah it's tragedy if they it, have it, it is a tragedy because it, it, it's such an i don't care if you're orthodox conservative reform this is the place to spend your time this is the most beautiful enriching country in the world for a jew to live to be here to visit it's just the place to come. It changes your life. We spoke about you influencing others. Who influenced you? Where'd you get all this from? Betar. You know who my, said you should go there? My, well, you want the truth is it is. It's not a. It's not an inspiring story. The truth. The truth is my parents sent me to summer camp since I was four. There's probably a message in there somewhere. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> that's true, right, Cole? It's true. I was sent to sleepaway camp the summer I turned five, and I went to that summer camp till I was about ten, and the owner dropped dead at a, uh, a uh, highlight game in Florida, and so they closed that camp, and my parents were stressed what to do with me. They had to find a really cheap camp because they didn't have a bunch of money, and my aunt's best friend went to a sleepaway camp called Camp Betar. So my parents announced, you're going to Camp Betar, and they showed me the brochure, which, by the way, had things in it that didn't exist. <laughs> Go-karts and a lake, and the camp had neither. And it looked nice, but I said, but what's all this Jewish stuff in there? I said, don't worry about that. That's not true. Uh, so they sent me to this camp, and I, they, I showed up there, and there was a bunch of people walking around in T-shirts and all sorts of things with Jewish things on it, and it was all kinds of strange to me because my family was totally unaffiliated with Judaism. Where was it located? Liberty, New York. Wow. Um, actually, never sink New York, but yeah. eight miles from Liberty. Yeah, I know where that is. And little by little, right near all the great resorts of the great days of the Catskills, right. we stuck into the resorts where we got out. And little by little, I learned about the ideology of Beitard, of Jabotinsky and Begin. And this unaffiliated Jew, in the next few years, became totally uh, drawn into the movement and slowly but surely became involved as a as a member of Beitar and slowly but surely a, a leader of Beitar and eventually the leader of Beitar in America. And it became my life. And that's how I got into it. And that aunt who introduced me into it was best friends was best friends with someone who went there. And our son was Chaim Hornstein and was really, at that time, the only person I knew in Israel. And he died on the first day of the Yom Kippur War. He was in Serek Golani, and within two hours of the Yom Kippur, he was on the Golan Heights, and he was killed. I only knew two people in the war in '73, and they both died. Two Beitarim who were active in that in the war in the army at that time both died. And when I and when I came in '73, leading 30 Beitarim as volunteers, that's what we did in our first few days: go to both their funerals. Wow. So you know we bonded to the land early on. A sacrifice has been made for decades, for centuries, and you saw it firsthand and personal. Yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, you, you see that 
I think about our boys, our children in America, that that's how they live, and I think about all the boys here, what's natural in their lives. They're the tip of the sword for the Jews around the world. And that's why all these organizations, we have to help everybody. You know, they fight the fight for Jews around the world because if there was no, if, if Israel didn't do it, we'd all be in serious problems. Barry, amazing way to end day one. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Nachum, for everything you do for the Jewish people. You are a true hero, right, Cole? Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Uh, thank you, Barry. Thank you, Steve. Thank you to uh, Miriam Wallach, to Yoni Pollock, and everybody who made this possible. And of course, the Inbal Hotel. Achenu be Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel. We are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. How else can we wrap up a show like this than with Hatikva, of course? Here at JM in the AM, we have the um, we have the Israel show with Mayor Weingarten coming up next. That'll be on at nine o'clock. Yoni from this porch with after further review, the sports show one hour from now, from ten until eleven at Eastern Time. The Liebens are gracious enough to let Yoni espouse his uh, sports views from their porch, and then Jake Novak with Novak now uh, starting at eleven a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Monday tomorrow. We're back with plenty more. And a big thank you to Avrami and to ZK. Avrami and to ZK for taking care of all the things behind the scenes. Much appreciated. Plenty more tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to join us. Till the Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.